if you just do stuff that you're proud of and create work that you like, then the success and the, the fans and whatever will come. You just can't obsess about the small details. Welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to Let It Out with me, your host, Katie Delbout. And today in the podcast, we have comedian, actor, really nice human being, Andrew Michon. This episode is really long, but it's interesting. He's wise, he gives great advice, and he's also super funny. And I think that you'll have a really great time. We had a great time recording this. And I'm actually on my way to LA to hang out with previous podcast guest, Valerie Cheney. We need to do a follow-up. We will. Anyway, and I'm actually going to get to meet Andrew in person. And you may remember previous podcast guest, Andre Vermeulen. We love her. She's actually Andrew's girlfriend. So I'm going to be with them and their cute dogs and the day this is coming out, actually. So I'm going to get right to the episode as quickly as possible. But first, let's talk about the sponsors. We know the sponsors. We love the sponsors. They let me keep doing the show and help me to make it great and hopefully better soon. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I love the sponsors. I really, really do. I really use their stuff. They're things that have made my life better, and I want to share them with you. And if you use them too, it supports the show. So it's like a win, win, win. First one, Cara Vitamins. They're so cool. I love them. You've heard me talk about them before. They are a really cool company because they curate the exact vitamin combination that you need by going to their website. You just take this quiz. It's really fun. I love taking personality tests. You kind of feel like you're taking one of those, but they ask you questions about your lifestyle and your diet and your energy levels and what you need nutritionally, you can't always get from food. So that's why supplements are really helpful. And care of makes it really simple. So that process, you know, you just take the quiz and then they'll send you exactly what you need in this beautiful, well-designed box of the supplements that, that you need. And they're in little packs. They say your name. They're beautiful. And you actually save money getting them this way than you would from the store. I really love them. They're personalized. We all love things that are personalized. So check out their website and see if this is right for you. I, I think you'll really like it. And the, the cool thing is, you know, by going to it's takecareof.com and using the code Katie, that's just my name, all caps, Katie, K-A-T-I-E, you can get 50% off your first order or, you know, try it free for for uh, two weeks, you know, for a a typical month. You can get the first two weeks of that free. So however you want to look at it, it's a great deal to just try it out and see if it's right for you. So that's takecareof.com and use the code Katie at checkout for 50% off. Try getting your vitamins there. I think you guys will really like it. I do. Take the quiz. It's really, you know, it's fun. All right. Speaking of supplements, another supplement that I really love It's called CW Hemp, also known as Charlotte's Web. And if you want to feel more calm, if you want to feel more focused, if you just want to feel better, try CW Hemp. 
All right, before I get into, you know, the discount code with them, I just want to tell you a little story. I was on my period last week and I had terrible cramps and CW helped me a ton. So I'm just going to put that out there. They also, you know, like I said, give you a sense of calm, but they help reduce exercise-induced inflammation. They increase focus. I just really, really love the stuff, and I think you guys will too. So if you want to try it, this is really cool. You can get 10% off of their products by using the code LETITOUT at checkout. So again, 10% off, use the code LETITOUT, and it supports the podcast. So try it out. Thank you, CW, for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Kara, for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Andrew Michon, for being the guest this week. Thank you for listening. If you want to support the show without checking out these products, if they're just not for you, that's okay. You can just share it with a friend, or you could, you know, leave a review on iTunes. You could do that right from your phone, give it some stars. It helps more people find it, so I can keep doing it, because I love doing it. This is, like, one of my favorite things that I do with my time. Okay, Love you guys, and I'm going to let you hear my conversation, but remember to stay tuned at the end because I'm going to tell you some more information about, you know, who's coming on the show next week and what the emoji is, and all right, I'll talk to you then. Bye. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, yeah, of course. I feel like we've been friends on the internet for months, and I've gotten to know Dre and you, and it's been lovely, so it's nice to be finally talking to you live. (laughs) Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, um, I I listened to your podcast with Dre, um, who is my girlfriend, for those who are just now getting their minds blown by that fact. Um, Yeah, so she did your podcast last month and she said such great things about it and then I listened to like half of it today and um, yeah I'm glad we're finally talking oh me too I know this is this is gonna be really fun I'm excited to have a Skype hang with you and just chat I've got some tea and kombucha we're cozy oh yeah what kind of tea I have tea as well oh perfect I'm drinking what are you working with yeah kikicha tea do you like that one oh okay I've had that that's like a Japanese like twig stuff Yeah, yeah yeah are you into that I've had it. I don't, it's not in my cupboard, but I have had it out and yeah. I do like it. I think it's like a macrobiotic tea. It's like good for right, digestion. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. I like earthy, like kind of almost brothy teas sometimes when I'm not like wanting something green or with much flavor, you know? Mm-hmm. Have you had that vitamineral earth stuff? No. Before? No. Tell it's, me all uh, about it. Are you familiar with this? Uh, this company called health force nutritionals it's like a supplement company i think um, so anyway they make this stuff called vitamineral green and a lot of people are really into them when i was like I, I went on like a very deep heavy research health thing a few years ago and that was one of the companies that i was like listening to you know podcasts of the guy who started it i like went a little too deep i'm kind of like <laughs> i'm not there anymore but same one of the pro- one of the products that they have is called vitamineral earth and it's like it's almost like you're drinking some sort of like earthy, like rock, like soup based stuff. Oh, you should try. You should try it. I think you would like it if you like. I would be stuff. so into that. I'm really into this thing called Sea Clear. Have you had that before? No. I think I thought it was you, but it, it was actually Dre who I was talking to about it. Um, 
like texting because I'm I'm so obsessed with it. People who listen to this podcast know because I do these favorites episodes and I've talked about it in like almost all of those episodes and it just like comes up in conversation, which you know you're right. like into something when it comes up frequently. Yeah. But it's this um, superfood probiotic miso and mm. I kind of take it as like a supplement every day, but really it's just because I love the taste of it, but it had the, I'll send you a photo of it after this, but it's like, um, or a link, that would be the easier way to do that. But it's um, turmeric, black pepper, spirulina, chlorella, um, organic, non-GMO um, miso, and it's, and it's like really like salty and good tasting, and you can just like, I sometimes make a dip with it with like coconut oh, oil cool. and nutritional yeast, but you can just, I drink a cup of it like every day in the winter, and it's so it's so super good. If do you like miso, like miso soup? Yeah, I like miso. Yeah, yeah. I, I I independently consume all those things, so I will use the convenience of the sea clear and try them all in one. Yeah, it's super. It's super good. I'll um I'll like send you the link. It's own. Do you ever go through Thrive Market because it's like I feel like it's like the Costco of like. Um, no, I have it. I've stores. done Vita Cost. I've done oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, they have it on Thrive, and everywhere else I see it, it's like double the price. But, um, but yeah, gangs all there. It's like a good okay. mix of like all those superfoods. Um, but what are you drinking right now? Well, I'm just drinking a turmeric tea, which I've recently gotten into. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Is it like the um, the Numi brand? It's Numi. Variety? It's Numi brand. Yeah. I know that one well. It's in my cupboard. It's good, yeah. It's it's interesting because I, I like turmeric, and I've taken pills and I've had it obviously in dishes over the years. But yeah. the tea is like a very good way to have it. It tastes really good. Have you had a turmeric like golden milk? Yeah, I have. I have it like Cafe Gratitude and stuff. Yeah, those are. When I was in LA this last time, I had the Adrenal Latte at. Um, <laughs> yeah. That like blew my mind. I could like I could like feel it going to my adrenals. <laughs> like it just feels like so cozy and nice. I love it. In yeah, there. I think they sell that powder there as well. So let's oh. just talk about supplements for. The I know this is powder. riveting. Welcome to the powders podcast, everyone. <laughs> yeah. So there's so many powders you can get, and then you add them to a liquid, and it's gonna make you feel great. Oh my god. Okay, we're gonna tie this bow and start talking about you. But quickly, I just need to plug the unicorn latte. Are you familiar with that? No, no, I'm not. Okay, so it's this new thing. There's this cafe in New York City called The End, as in fairy tales. And they have this thing called the unicorn latte. And I was actually having kind of like a bad day last, last or this is like a couple weeks ago because I'm moving to New York and I'm just like feeling a lot of feelings about it. And I was like, oh, is this the right choice? I don't know. I ultimately, like, ultimately want to be in L.A., all these things. And then right. my friend tagged me on Instagram in this unicorn latte. <laughs> and it, like, made my day better because I was like, oh, it's okay that I'm moving to New York because they have this unicorn latte. But it, it's, it's like, coconut milk, spirulina. Again, gang's all there. It's, like, all these things. Right. Like, basically a turmeric latte, but but not turmeric. And... um. And it's like apparently it had been in like Vogue and In Style and like all these magazines of like um, the new wellness trend is the unicorn latte. And let me tell you, it looks very pretty. So anyway, it's it made me feel better. It's this sounds crazy, but it made me feel weirdly better about my move because at least there's unicorn lattes there. (laughs) Yeah, you have one thing if everything else falls apart. Yeah, yeah. So you'll have to visit and we'll have unicorn lattes. I mean, at this point, maybe I should just move, you know, it's sounding pretty good. I mean, right? It sounds great. 
Anyway, all right. The um, the weird healthy latte podcast is over, and now we can start talking Great. about you. Thank you again for doing this. I'm so excited. Like I said, I'm excited to be your friend, and you're also a funny comedian, a talented writer, an actor, and I want to talk about everything about your career. And obviously, you seem like just like such a fun, chill guy that I just want to be friends with. But how I always like to start the show is, or lately, is in the present before we get into the past and your past. But what mm-hmm. is something that you've been learning recently or excited about today or in the last week or month that whatever the first thing comes to mind? Hmm. Well, I just finished a script with a friend that I've been working on for like four or five months. We finished that on Tuesday, just like the first draft. Oh, that's exciting. And that just feels really good to, um, I don't know, it's just, it's doing creative stuff is always so difficult and it's sometimes that well of creativity dries up or you just are having an off day but this friend and I we've never worked together and we just we met every Friday just once a week for like a few months and we just spent a long time outlining and a long time just like talking and doing like big picture stuff and then we finally wrote it pretty quickly once we actually had finished the outline like we did like five different outlines we just did like we took the time to really like plan stuff out in a very like specific and organized way and then it just came together in the end and we're very proud of it and we still have more work to do but I guess that just has kind of reminded me of just I don't know it's like tasks seem very daunting at first and then you just if you just chip away at them one week at a time or however length of time at a time it I don't know it just felt really good to have finished that oh wow I completely relate to that and I feel like creativity can be this like kind of elusive thing but one when it has structure yeah it can feel really good yeah and that's a, it's a hard thing to sometimes force yourself to do as a creative person is to is to structure it because you can you can get into these like i don't know like highfalutin mentalities of like oh but structure is is not good for this and and you can kind of analyze it in in a way that ends up being counterproductive to doing work yeah. Um, so, yeah, just having structure actually ended up being very helpful in yeah. this particular instance. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I When I was writing my book, I had to be so focused on one thing because I had this thing and I was going to have to pay the money back if I didn't do it. And so I had to. And that's the only time I wish I, I could do that about projects now. But that's the only time when I've been so focused on something. And I... When, as you were saying that, I so relate to that feeling of completion that I think mm-hmm. I, I know I struggle with of like having more ideas than time and having so many things I could be doing and could be working on that I end up not working on much at all unless I like really set the structure. So do you how do you handle having a lot of ideas versus having structure and, and how did you – and your friend, how long did you say you guys had been working on the script? I, I don't know, maybe like four months or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not, yeah, a little bit of time. Maybe three months, I don't know. Before, definitely before the holiday break. Um, I say that like we're in school, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but writing a book, though, is, I've heard that in every single interview I've ever heard with any authors of just like, if you do not tell yourself you're writing X amount of pages every day, it's just like, it will not happen. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's an impossible task if you don't give yourself, like, specific small deadlines. Um, 
But as far as managing my own creativity, I mean, that's something I definitely struggle with is having too many projects at once or thinking of too many ideas at once and not going into the depth that each one needs in order to actually be good. Um, that's definitely a hard thing, especially because I, I, I came up in the stand-up world and stand-up is very unique in that the path from idea to execution can be instantaneous, you know? Like you can be on stage and have a small idea and try it out and then you immediately get that feedback. So with writing and with the entertainment industry and, and all these things, it's like that feedback um, time is extremely long and frustrating. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a diff it's a completely different mentality um, doing stand up versus writing something because you have to like spend the time to write it you have to like work you know different days and like let yourself you know not think about it for a few days and then come back to it and see if you have other thoughts on it and then you have to you know if you're working with other people you have to deal with their schedule so yeah it's definitely something that is very difficult to get used to. Um, yeah. But I, I went to like a really rigorous college, and I think that really prepared me for self-motivation. Because um, I went to a college where it's like, if you're not self-motivated, and if you're not doing the work on your own, you just are going to fail and not graduate. Yeah. Like it's an, It was just like an impossible place to uh, thrive in without extreme self-direction. Mm. Would you so say I that think- you're a pretty disciplined person? Yeah, I think I am, and I and I think it was not something that, I don't know, I, I'm disciplined, but I'm also able to do the least amount of work while doing well, or at least that was my experience growing up, like in high school and stuff, like I got straight A's, but I would often not read the book, I would read like the Cliff Notes or something, yeah, you know? so I, yeah, I would like take same. shortcuts that, I, I, would, I would take shortcuts in smart ways, where it was like, oh, this is how I can do good, but not necessarily spend all the time necessary on it. Yeah. And in college, I actually think it actually worked to my benefit because I spent more time reading and working on stuff in college, but I was given a workload that was, I think, insurmountable in terms of actually doing everything 100%. So you had to make smart choices about what you spent less time on and what you spent more time on. So in the end, it actually, I think, benefited me. Mm. In, a, in a weird way yeah it sounds like it prepared you for life because I think in life like I was talking to to Dre about this either on the podcast or or just texting as well but that feeling and this isn't like I laugh every time I say this because all of my friends and then my friends who are just not just but people that listen to the podcast that are also my friends that I don't no, we'll laugh at this too because every time this comes up on the show, no matter what, should be a drinking game at this point. But I feel like a master of none. It's like my like catchphrase right. at this point of just like feeling unfocused and and having all these ideas. But it's kind of like that's just I think that what I'm finding, and I'm decided I'm going to stop saying that because that the more I talk about, it, the more it like just is becoming true, or I'm becoming okay with it. But it's. I think it's that same kind of thing of like life is kind of like your college where you have to do a bunch of different things. Like you have to, like in your case, figure out how to, you know, find the time to take crouton outside, but also like, you know, snuggle Archie and also like make tea and take care of yourself and also write and also do stand up and also like, you know, and you, we have to, as people like do, you know, pay the bills and figure out a way to make money and figure out a way to do creativity and figure out a way to like have our relationships. And so we have to kind of like prioritize in that way. So that's, 
good that right. that's like the best case scenario of college to prepare you for life actually right that's interesting yeah especially like if you're like a parent which i am not but yeah. listening to people talk about it that's like the ultimate you know figuring out how to discipline your t- or how to organize your time where it's like this thing will die if i'm not you know looking at it all the time how am i gonna do anything else for me and yeah yeah that's, that's interesting I think about that a lot. Like, I have a couple friends who are parents, and I can barely, I feel very like Francis Ha right now, but like, I, I mean, being an adult is just challenging enough to like remember to get right. toilet paper and like just the challenges of that, plus, you know, a job. Like, I understand how people, um, I'm doing the artist way right now. Have you ever done Julia Cameron's artist way book? I have not. It's um it's it's really cool. It's she's the one that kind of made up morning pages. If you know about that, oh, but I've, I've heard about it. I've heard yeah, about yeah, it. yeah. So anyway, she she really talks about in there, like you know how people can just be so disconnected from their creativity, and I so get it. Like I get how you can just turn creativity off, like just a muscle that you don't. It's like kind of the first thing to go when the rest of your life is out of balance or just busy. Like it is for me. Like I. I had a busy week this week and, you know, I felt off because I wasn't really doing anything creative, you know? And um, I think just, like, learning to prioritize that or be disciplined with that, like like you were doing with working with a partner, I think, is really great for that discipline. Just like they say with, like, working out, like having a partner. How did you and your friend decide to, like, do that? And what was the experience like of, of writing with someone and working with someone? Yeah, I don't know. We just he he's um, he just was like, you know, I'm very organized about this stuff, and he was like, let's just set a date every Friday at 3 p.m. We'll meet, and if we find days in addition to that, if we feel like we have more work to do, we'll do that, and then we will have a first draft by February 3rd or, or whatever the date was. And yeah, it's just really just having like I think like you were saying with a partner, having you accountable for each other, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like. If it's Thursday afternoon and and like I message him and like hey we're meeting tomorrow right and he's like oh yeah 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 okay yeah totally like just having that like accountability for each other's commitment to it I think makes a big difference yeah. and that could even and you don't even have to work with someone yeah, like you're saying with working out or if you have a friend who also wants to be as productive as possible you could both be like okay we're gonna force each other to go together at this coffee shop you know twice a week or or whatever it is to um, write the next bible (laughs) religion (laughs) yeah i think that yeah so that was just a really good process and i've written with people before and and that you've i sent you this is i I sent you something that i made and i wrote that with someone and that was a a collaborative project as well but we were a bit less disciplined with it um um but we did also uh, we just weren't as organized but we still met pretty often and worked on it a lot um so yeah, I don't know if yeah. that answered your question. No, it, it totally did. And it was your pilot's so good and I wanted I have so much to say about it and I wanna talk oh, all thanks. about it. But I guess let's go all the way back first and like work our way up. So where did you grow up? And I, I I've been spending the day with you, FYI. I listened to you on so many podcasts and I just like immersed myself in your work, which oh, is wow. lovely. It's my favorite part of hosting this podcast is that I get to like virtually hang out with people and then I get to like virtually but more live hang out with them on Skype right now. 
And so it's been a great, it's been great hanging out with you. So I already know this, but you went to a really small high school, right? So tell me what it was like growing up there and just kind of tell us about your childhood in high school. Yeah, so I I had an interesting um, process growing up because I lived in different places. Like if someone asked me where I'm from now, I kind of just say Portland, Oregon because I went to college there. But in reality, from zero to nine years old, I lived in Alameda, California, which is right next to Oakland, which is in the Bay Area. Um, So I grew up in the Bay Area. And then when I was nine, I moved with my mother and my siblings to Colorado. And we moved to a town called Telluride, which is pretty famous. It's like a ski resort destination. It's like Aspen or Vail or something. Um, They have like a film festival and a bluegrass festival and a very well-respected ski mountain. And it's it's like a famous place, but... Most people don't understand that, like, yeah, it's it's a famous ski resort, but, like, the town itself is so small that yeah. it's kind of absurd. I mean, my graduating class of high school was, like, 31 kids, and that was, like, large at the time, you know? Like, the <laughs> average was, like, 24. And, and it's not like I just went to a small high school. Like, that high school is the only high school in, like, a 40-minute radius of the town because it's, like, in the middle of nowhere in the woods. Oh so it's not just like my high school was small and there were other kids around I could meet. It was just like right. my my pool of potential friends was literally a hundred kids, you know, oh like my, my, my entire school. Tell um, me that they were cool because it's slim pickings. I mean, I definitely had good friends who I went to high school with and I was a very into skateboarding and I, I um, made a lot of friends through that. And I, and it's interesting, like I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated with like high school um, as like a trope in writing. Like I think it's such an interesting like microcosm of the world. And, and yeah. you watch these movies that are like set in high school, and, and the pilot that I sent you is set in high school uh-huh. because I just think it's it's just such an interesting thing of like these different groups and and the way it actually all is a metaphor for maturing as a person in general, and it's not just specifically tied to that time period and. There's just something really interesting about high school and, and the way high school is portrayed in media. But the funny thing is I grew up not at all with that type of high school because when you go to a school with 100 kids, there doesn't even exist the category of, oh, that's a jock or, oh, that's a nerd. It's just like, <laughs> oh, that's Steve and, oh, that's Marissa. It's like they're just so – everyone it knows everyone so well that it's like everyone is an individual person instead of being like – lumped into a category right so it's not like I was extremely popular it's not like I was extremely not popular I like had plenty of friends and like did stuff and partied and like I, I you know like it wasn't even I don't know it's just it was a very interesting experience where like I think maybe that's why I'm fascinated with the way high schools are portrayed in in media is because mine was very different from that and I didn't yeah. even have that experience like yeah so I went to a very small high school and I definitely had friends, but I there's only like two people I still talk to to this day from high school. Um, but that's like one ninth of your class, so you're doing yeah, pretty well. Yeah, so actually pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good, you know, about ten percent. Yeah, so I, I'm and I'm not like it's not like I had enemies, and I'm like it's nothing like that. It's just like you know a lot of them still live in the town I grew up in, or you know very few of them are involved in the world that I'm involved in, and entertainment is just like such a such an insular world that it's like I don't know it's just most of my time is spent with people in that world Mm -hmm. um there's one girl I went to high school with who is doing comedy in Los Angeles oh no way yeah but she doesn't do stand-up so I don't actually encounter her very much but a cool thing is 
Um, the first time I ever saw comedy was there's a very small festival called the Telluride Comedy Festival. It happens every year, and, and very good comedians do it. It's like um, it's been going on for a long time, and I, <clears throat> I went to that when I was in like ninth grade or something, and I performed at it last year, That's and so it was cool. really yeah, it was very fun. I was yeah, this guy Rob Hubel who's on like um, Children's Hospital and stuff. He's an actor and writer, and very funny comedian. He, um, I've, I've done shows with them out here in LA, and I know he goes to that festival every year. And we were just kind of talking about it backstage at UCB one night, and he was like, "Oh, I'll recommend you to the guy who runs it." And so he did, and then they brought me out there, and it was very, very fun. It was like a really cool homecoming, but also kind of not because my mom moved away from Telluride when I was like as soon as I graduated high school, so I don't have like a base there still. I don't really go back, but um, it was very fun to like do the comedy festival that was the thing that introduced me to comedy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That had to be so surreal. Yeah, it was cool. It was really fun. And actually, one night, the power went out for, like, 24 hours. Whoa. And we had, had to, like, perform with generators and, like, candles. It was just, I heard the word surreal, and it made me think Yeah, of that. that sounds magical. That sounds yeah, very unicorn really, latte. <laughs> yeah, it was very unicorn latte. Um, but it was really funny because the whole town, the power was out for 24 hours, and it was, like, peak tourist season. It was the middle of winter. All the yeah. restaurants were closed. All the grocery stores, like, gave away all the food in the Whoa. freezers and fridge, and it was, like, this pandemonium in the grocery stores. It was, like, you'd go to the grocery store, and it's, like, almost pitch black. Everyone's, like, walking around with cell phone flashlights, like, grabbing ice cream and, like, frozen Whoa. chicken wings. It was, like, a very strange experience. You should write a script about this experience. Comedian goes That's- back to his hometown, and it's pandemonium lights out. Yeah. That's funny. That is a good point. Yeah, it was a very, it was very funny to be like it in like a soft trial run for like an apocalyptic situation. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. That's really cool. Going. I'm just like imagining the entire scene. Yeah, it was funny. And just talking more about growing up. Yeah. One thing I've always said about where I grew up is. It was a very good place to grow up, and it was like a very, you know, nurturing environment, and it was very safe, and it was, um, I don't know, there was a lot of community, and the school was good, because it was like a small public high school, and there were a lot of good things about it, but it was also, one of the best things was leaving and never going back, I Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess. I just think, ultimately, at the end of the day, as an adult looking back, it's like, there were all these positive things, but on the flip side, there were literally no black people in my high school. There was a very distinct lack of culture in general, where they're just like, you couldn't watch a play. There was one movie in town that came, and it was like three months after it came out in theaters everywhere else. And it's just, I, it felt very sheltered in a way that I think is actually not good. Mm-hmm. I, I like would never want to live in a non-city again, just because I, I appreciate like culture and and being out in groups diversity. and diversity and just, you know, having friends in different, like at different points in their life. And you have a diverse group of friends that are like coming from different perspectives. And I just think it's very important because I'm a very social person that it's like looking back, it's like, oh, I would never raise a kid in that environment. Yeah. Yeah. I totally relate to that. I remember I have two older cousins and I re- when they moved away, I remember them saying, you know, place we grew up being like great place to grow up great place to go to high school but also you know 
great place to leave and, and move yeah. on from, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I never really understood it until now, you know, I never really understood what that meant. We grew up in a college town. And so, you know, that brought in a level of diversity and a level of culture to a place that without the school would have completely just been like farmland, you know? Right. And, right. um, Anyway, it's just interesting. I, I've been thinking so much lately, and I want to talk to you about this more too, um, about that, about moving and about m- moving away and further and further away. I'm kind of like a stepping stone person myself, so I, I still live in the same state that I grew up in, but a different city um, right now. And and I think that that archetype or not archetype, but that you know, the hero's journey of like moving away from where you grew up. I've, I've heard it talked about, like Joseph Campbell talks about it. And it's like in the Bible of like, you know, you can't be a prophet in your hometown. And like that moving away is really crucial for your own personal growth. And it's also hard. And that's why so many people do stay. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it, you know, it's, it's definitely a personal growth experience of, getting away from the cozy comfort of, you know, where you are and, and moving into something that's unknown, you know? Yeah, I, I, I understand. I think, yeah, I think ultimately it's like challenge is important and it's important to feel uncomfortable and challenged and to have difficult situations arise where you question yourself or you question your place or what you're doing and, yeah, it's kind of hard to have those experiences if you're in the town you grew up in or not striving to like put yourself out there and try things that you're not sure what the result is going to be. Yeah, yeah. All, all, and, that, and that applies to like relationships, to um, maybe even cooking, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. But no, really, I, I think that is an important thing. And, and I, I, grew, I lived in Portland, Oregon after college, or I went to college in Portland, Oregon, and I lived there afterwards. And even like doing comedy in Portland and, and being afraid to leave, you know, that community and, and feeling like, oh, but things are going well here and being afraid to move to Los Angeles or New York, which is something that if you're serious about comedy, you ultimately have to do. There's kind of no way around it. Um, so I definitely understand that feeling of like, oh, but it's nice here and and this is yeah. good and I don't know about that. Yeah, and it's kind of nice to, you know, like kind of what you were saying in Portland, like being a big fish in a small pond is really cozy and and feels really good. And, and I think just being comfortable anywhere and having your community and having your space, I think is really wonderful. But I I tweeted this thing the other day that, that I saw from someone of, um, growth can't happen if you're, when you're comfortable. And that like hit me so hard, you know, which is essentially what you've been saying, which I think is always good to hear yeah yeah but there I think it's like it's a it's also a balance too where it's like you don't want to just be completely uncomfortable and unhappy you have to be like challenged but you also have to like take care of yourself mm. you know it's like even if you do go to New York maybe you'll feel an obligation to like go out every night and socialize in order to meet the right people to do whatever you want to do but maybe one night don't go out and stay in and like you know, read a book or like take a bath or do these things that like allow you to be the best version of yourself when you are putting yourself out there, like self-care type stuff. Yeah. I think that's important as well. It's definitely a balance of 
comfort and um, discomfort. Yeah, and I think making like your version of discomfort, like with this, my own example of like this move to to New York, like my best friend from college lives in New York and moved there right after college. So she's been there for years. And, you know, her thing was like right after graduation, move and figure it out. And, you know, has this bigger threshold for uncertainty than I do. And and I have more of Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm more of a grandma who stays home all the time. And like, I'm a little bit of a hermit and it's been more stepping stones. But so I think my version of New York is going to look very different than hers. And I think everybody's version of discomfort doesn't have to be a big move you know it doesn't have to be a career change or whatever right, it might right. just be like it could be like a, a different a yoga class yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah. yeah yeah switching up your tea flavor you know um yeah. i i moved to new york at a time that uh, mirrored your friend right after college and it was uh not good for me i actually left <laughs> really yeah, it was just not the right time in my life to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's a challenging city to be in. I I talked to um Josh Rodder on my podcast said it New York on your best days is like you you'll have your best days and they're really euphoric and your worst days are like dreadfully terribly awful <laughs> and there's like no yeah. in between. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that seemed like pretty spot on. So Going back to the thread of your life, so you're you're in high school, and you have like t- three other people there. And then, how did you s- decide where you wanted to go to college in Portland? And tell us about the school that you went to there. It it was also pretty small, right? Yeah, very small. So I um I had more than three friends in high school. I had four. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. I did. More. I actually did. I I, I had, had lots of friends. It just it's one of the things where it's like, I had friends, but once I got into a bigger pool of potential friends, I moved on a little bit, I guess. Yeah. yeah I kind of betrayed, betrayed and abandoned everyone. So, <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's just, you know, those relationships aren't going to last forever. But I, and you had such funny a enough, pool to choose from. I'm just like, I know, I I'm know. Just can't, I can't imagine, like, if I only had 30 people that I had to choose at random from my high school, I, I'm yeah. just hoping they would be okay, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, but o- overall, though, I, I didn't grow up with anyone who was, like, a terrible jerk. Like, everyone's pretty nice, and it's, like, such a nice community, and it was all fine. But the, the way I chose my college was kind of interesting. I was very into skateboarding. It was something I really liked. And I grew up in a ski resort town, so skateboarding was not possible half the year and I was into snowboarding and stuff but I was always more into skateboarding so Oregon has the best skate parks in the country so I was like okay what's the best college there (laughs) and then I applied to that college and got it got it um I heard about it did they have a skateboarding scholarship they do not have a skateboarding scholarship um I wish I went to it's called Reed College R-E-E-D and it's a small liberal arts school in Portland. And a friend of mine went to Lewis and Clark, and he was like a couple years older than me, which is also a small liberal arts college in Portland. So he told me about Reed, and, and he had wanted to go there but couldn't. And then um, he had told me about it, and you know, I visited him, and I visited Reed, and it seemed like a good fit. And so I accepted 
and um, that's where I went to school. Nice. Did, have you seen the movie Liberal Arts? No, I haven't. It's really good. I I like it a lot, and it's about a liberal arts um, college, and you know. Anyway, it's on Netflix. If you you know, oh cool, want to give it a watch, but um, yeah, it's I I think you'd like it because it, a lot of the themes, um, it's kind of stuff that that we're into from what I know about you, right. and but they're kind of you know the the movie's just a good movie, and the themes are just like a, in there as like a Trojan horse. They're like right. you know the thing. Anyway, but I think you you'd relate like a- to it. You have like a login I could use, like a Netflix login. <laughs> I got you. I got okay, you. Okay, great. No, I, I, have I have a friend one. of a friend. <laughs> I have one, everyone. Don't worry. I'm not. I'm not doing that poorly. That's I'm why you fine. do podcasts. That's why you. Do yeah, podcasts. yeah, yeah. Trying I to get those it. all those logins. <laughs> those logins. Yeah. I got it. Um. Anyway, yeah. I it's shot at a liberal arts school. Josh Radner, who made it, it was he shot it like at his school, and it's also a small liberal arts college. So, oh, cool. Anyway, cool. yeah. Do you still skateboard? I do. I I stopped for a long time. Um, I in college, I built a skate park in my backyard, oh, uh, cool. which is really cool. My my school did this um, <clears throat> big festival every year called Ren Fair, which was like. A very big party that the school pays for where kids, you know, party and drink and do drugs and whatever for like four days. It's like a very... That's um, nice of them. Yeah, it's a very wild... It's kind of like I've heard it compared to like a mini Burning Man kind of thing. Oh, whoa. I've heard that from people who have gone to both and everyone says it's kind of the closest thing they've experienced to it. Wow, thank uh, you, Reed College. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I don't know if it's... The, the school has a kind of reputation of being a, like lax about like drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. I don't know if things have cracked down recently, um, which also is not to say that, like, everyone did drugs. I, I barely did any, if ever. Right. But um, in any case, Well, tweet at us, the, read college students, if you're listening. Yeah, let us know what the us, going give rate us, is. Give us an Excel spreadsheet of how much <laughs> you do every week, and I will tabulate that with the one I made in college. Wonderful. And if you don't have an Excel spreadsheet, you are doing too many drugs. Organized. <laughs> I uh, And part of the festival was you could submit projects and then you can build them, kind of like Burning Man where they have these, like, oh, uh, wow. I'm sure people have seen pictures of you know Burning Man, like big art Camps. sculptures or whatever. Yeah. So every year for like three or four years, my good friend David and I would build a very large slide. So we'd build a, you know, 15-foot tall slide that you'd walk up on a ladder and then slide down. Oh, fun. And I love slides. Conveniently enough, the materials that you use to build a slide are exactly the materials that you use to build a skateboard ramp, which is why we invented the slide. So at the end of every festival, we would take all of the wood and put it in my backyard and build like a crazy, like Lego type skateboard ramp that had all these different parts. And it was like very vast and, and, uh, and it was really fun. Whoa. That sounds like high school used dream of college. I know it was really cool. It was like the school was paying so much money building these slides, building the slide, and people loved it. And they didn't have an infrastructure to store materials from year to year, so the school would just spend a lot of money on all the things that they would build, and then our slide would get built, and then we'd take it down, and then we'd build our skate park bigger and bigger. When, and when? then, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then in 2008, I like, I think it was my soft, my junior year of college, I fell like really hard at a party oh, no. at our house where I was, like, skateboarding on the ramp, and people were, like, partying, and we had lights on and stuff, and 
it was very like um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of layer style, you know? Uh-oh. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? No, but... Maybe, maybe the listeners will know. Yeah, But hopefully. no, I think there's a scene in like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles where they go to like some sort of layer, maybe the bad guy's layer, maybe it's Shredder's layer, I, I don't really know. But anyways, there's a bunch of skateboarders and people are like hanging out and eating pizza and stuff. So it was just like that. And I just fell and broke my knee really hard. Ooh. Yeah, like it was just, my kneecap got like split. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and, and, and it was okay after a while. But then I would like skate from time to time, but it would like kind of hurt. And then it came a point where I'm just like, I need to choose between my childhood fantasy of skateboarding a lot and my adult fantasy of like walking around <laughs> and like being able to function as a normal person. Yeah, and you're like, like, being able to stand, which your profession yeah, like right. requires it, in the name. It's in the name. When you see someone on crutches who's an adult, you're like, come on, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> like you see like a guy with like a cast on, on his arm, you're like, okay, you're 40. You need yeah. To- Oh, man. So I stopped skateboarding, but in the last few months, like in the last four months, I've gotten back into it, and I'm taking it slow, and um, it's going really well, and I'm still good at it, and I have a lot of fun, and I just go to like this one skate park that has just like a small wooden ramp that is not going to allow me to get too hurt, and um, yeah, it's been very fun. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's good to like ease into it, but to still do it and to have that form of creativity. I mean, skateboarding, I think, is a very creative thing. Now that I am a creative professional as an adult, like looking back, it's a, I think it's a really cool thing to get your kids into because, I mean, there's no, like, there's no rubric for it. There's no, like, you know, there's no teams, obviously. Everyone does it differently. And when you're doing it, you're just, like, figuring out your next trick and, and working on one trick at a time. Like, if you're working on a trick and you want to learn it that day, then you add it to your repertoire. And the next time you're doing, a, like, a line, you can that trick in there i don't know it's a very creative uh, sport actually yeah no that makes sense so other than building slides and studying skateboarding the other thing you studied was world religions is that right yeah i did how did you choose that and what stuck with you for it sounds like i'm constantly fascinated by religions and spirituality so it sounds like a fascinating major what did anything stick with you how did you decide on that yeah, so I grew up in a very irreligious household. My father had grown up Jewish and was very anti-religion, like vehemently so. And my mother just didn't really, she grew up Catholic, but she didn't really care about it and didn't impart any spiritual knowledge to us. So it was just like not even really a conversation growing up. So I, I was definitely interested in people who had that kind of upbringing. Mm-hmm. And then I just like took a couple classes, I think like my freshman year in college, and then I was like, oh, these are good classes, and then I just took more and more in that department, and then the way my school worked is it's kind of like, unless you're studying like science and trying to like go to grad school for like physics or something, if you study any social science, it's kind of like the same thing, and, it, and it, you get a bachelor's of liberal arts, like a bachelor's degree in liberal arts, like it's not it's not like that different if you study English versus religion or anthropology or whatever. So I just like the classes and I just like, Oh, I like this major. And so I just stuck with it. And then I wrote a thesis my senior year, which you had to do at my school. And, um, I think about my thesis from time to time, which was about, uh, what the Catholic church's official stance is on alien life, extraterrestrial life. 
Whoa. And what, what yeah. is it? Do you, can you they're, sum they're it open. up? They're open. They're open to it, you know? I mean, there's a lot of different things, but ultimately they, like, had released this statement, like, the year that I had written my thesis, which is what got me interested in it, that was just, like, they were kind of saying, like, oh, if if we do find out there are extraterrestrial life forms out there, it doesn't mean that God lied to us, and it doesn't mean that we're not special. It just means that there may be a different truth to reality, and it's kind of like the truth that he told us may there may be other truths out there that he told other life forms. I mean, it's a very like complicated way of saying like, Oh, don't leave the church. You know, it's very Catholic church. Like, yeah, they're very much like covering their asses a little bit, it seems. But, but the interesting thing about it is that like the Catholic church owns like the, the most high tech, you know, um, observatories in the world. They own like a lot of them all around. So they're very, yeah, they own a lot of observatories and there's like a Catholic observatory in Italy, and I think they have a big one in Hawaii, and so they're actually involved in science. And wow, this is blowing my yeah, mind. This is fascinating. Yeah, it's very weird. And ultimately, the the conclusions that I came to with my thesis is just that the Catholic Church saying that they're like okay with extraterrestrial life, and it may not, you know, it shouldn't question your faith. It wasn't like a new. It wasn't like a categorically new thing. It was just kind of like a, a logical progression of the Catholic Church being more willing to embrace the scientific community over time after this situation with Galileo happened where he said the world was not the center of the galaxy or the center of the universe, and they said that it is, and they argued about it, and then um, ultimately he was right. So it was kind of like from that process mm. become over time more willing to accept science science and yeah. will to accept you know the fact that this is what the scientific world tells us we believe but we also believe that god is responsible for that organization hmm. yeah so it sounds like a fascinating thesis i'd read that yeah i, I don't know if i would <laughs> I, I should actually revisit it because i haven't thought about it in a long time uh Anything else stick with you from that? And kind of where are you with religion and spirituality now? Yeah, I, um, I'm i trying to think of other stuff from my... It's interesting. I really... The way I think about college is like... It was very... It's kind of like the same thing of high school where it's like, I'm very glad I went and I was very glad to leave. Mm-hmm. I think we're just like moving on from things. But it was just... I don't know. I, the world of academia, I kind of think is a little... Um, a little impractical and self-serving, like self-aggrandizing. Like, I don't know, thinking about the conversations that people at my college would have, and it's like all this intellectualism and really analytical about everything in a way that doesn't actually translate to everyday life and isn't... I don't know. It's like you read these, like, heavily philosophical texts that, like, very few people in the world have even thought about reading and it's like this is interesting and I think it's important that these people are talking about this and this conversation is happening but that's just not the life that I want to lead I feel like Like, you have to watch liberal arts because I feel like it tackles that and like they the main character is on an improv team didn't you do improv in in college did I hear that 
I did do improv in college. Yeah. yeah, I think. Anyway, I just I had to interrupt you because I just feel like feel like you like yeah, it. Yeah, I have to just watch it. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's just it, it's like really I don't know. It's it's interesting, and I and I enjoyed immersing myself in it. But I don't know the way I live my day to day life. I don't think about you know whatever book I read from Derrida, who's like some really obscure philosopher. It's just like I don't know. It doesn't actually apply to like. Like you said, buying toilet paper or like cooking for dinner, right. and these th- things that it—I don't know. I, it, it just—it was a bit too much for me, and I kind of like was very happy to. When I, my senior year, I started doing stand-up, and I was like, "Oh, this is what I want to do. I want to like do this and do the entertainment industry and try to make stuff, and this is where I want to put my energy." So once I kind of figured that out, I was like, "Okay, great." So I graduated, and a lot of kids at my school would go on to earn PhDs and went to grad school and all this stuff. And I was like, I don't want to be in this world. It's not my world. I'm glad that I dipped my toe in it. Yeah. Um, but I just want to do more um, consumable entertainment stuff uh, yeah. to distract distract people from the fabric of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think a ton about the content that I learned in college. But the flip side of that is that that analytical perspective and that way of thinking about things has very much influenced who I am as a person and who I am as a comedian. Yeah. So in a way, college is just has prepared me for life, but maybe not the specifics of what I studied, but more the way in which I approached it, I guess. Yeah. And probably just you having a different, I mean, I guess everyone does, but a different background makes you unique and special as as a comedian and it totally comes through in your work which which is amazing so when you were in ninth grade and went to that first comedy show that's kind of what got you into comedy but at that point you didn't know you wanted to be a comedian so in college you was you know I guess college kind of did what it's supposed to do with a liberal arts education where it allowed you to figure that out is that when you you knew you wanted to be a comedian in college yeah totally I, I was um yeah I was doing improv and my friend uh my friend and I had started like a satirical newspaper like a little like a little pamphlet thing that we would distribute amongst the students and we did that for a few years and um yeah just like comedy writing and performing and then my senior year or I think yeah my senior year I went to just like an open mic in Portland um, just to do stand-up, and it went very well the first time I did it, and I was like, oh, I, I can do this, and this is something that is fun, and so then, like, my last semester at college, I was, like, going to open mics every night for, for like, while also writing this thesis, and it was, like, a very, I was, like, living in two very different worlds. Yeah. It was really interesting, and then when I graduated, I was like, okay, I want to just do this more seriously, and then I did um, this big comedy festival in Portland called the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, and I did that. I was lucky enough to do that, like, my first year doing comedy. And um, then I just kind of immersed myself in that world after uh, that. It's Well, I'm glad you did because I watched the set that you sent me today in a coffee shop, and I was very publicly, like, dying laughing. Like, the way you started with the two personas and then, oh, you know, what you were talking about, like, how you were it, – it was meta in some ways where you were talking about – what actually 
you were was real and what wasn't and you know you would kind of like break that illusion that like I'm always thinking about because I love comedy and and I love thinking about like did that actually happen and I always want to ask comedians like did that actually happen like that or was it was it a flute or was it a recorder in the taxi cab you know or like whatever and I think it was so funny that you kind of broke that illusion and the joke about your mom and the time zone like it was just so good I'm gonna link it in the show notes but but oh, thanks. It, yeah, I, I think, just I, loved it so much. Yeah, hearing you say all that, I think it, it very clearly is like an analytical approach to comedy. <laughs> like, it very much is like, here's the math of, you yeah. know, what comedy is. And here's what, as someone who goes out and sees comedy almost every night, here's what I see. And then here's like What's a, happening? yeah, here's kind of like a reframing of it. Which is not to say that I like don't appreciate comedy and don't like, I'm not like making fun of, it's not like anti-comedy, I'm still just trying to be funny and genuine, but yeah, it's probably like, it's definitely like an analytical approach to it, yeah. so that's fun. Yeah, like, and there are some, you know, and there were some jokes, and then you would be like, that's a joke, don't, like, you were just, it was, it was just so good, it was like the perfect mix of, of everything, and I feel like, tell us about, tell us about your podcast, your Seinfeld podcast, I feel like it's kind of the same way, like you're making oh. fun of well, I'll let you tell about it, but it's it's so funny. Like I, I listened to like, a bunch of to episodes that. today, and that's funny. are you still doing it? Tell us well, about what just, it is. That's so funny that you you listen to that. Um, that's something I did last year. I have a bunch. I told of you I did a deep dive. Andrew yeah. Michon, deep. I appreciate. Dive. Wow. I prepare for these. Wow. <laughs> I hope. I hope this conversation is interesting then and not like more of the same, but no, I'm getting getting more details. It's great. Okay. Yeah. yeah, You're filling in the gaps. Yeah. The Seinfeld podcast. That's funny that you listen to that, but I don't know. My friend, Zach Perlman and I, we just, he's like an actor comedian person in LA and I don't know. We just, everyone has podcasts about everything. And there's so many people who will like do a podcast where it's like episode by episode of a show Mm -hmm. or, and, and I just don't, I don't understand the market for people listening to that kind of stuff. Like, it's just like, there's so much content out there that I, I don't have the time to like watch a show and listen to people talk about it or whatever. But so we kind of just wanted to do like an absurdist version of that. We're not like making fun of that. Like, I'm not hating on anyone for having their outlet, like totally cool. But we did this thing called the Seinfeld podcast, which is, it's basically five to ten minute intro talking about the episode that's going to come about and then just having like these weird ongoing narratives about like Zach and I's relationship and the characters that we're portraying which are kind of like idiots who don't really know anything about I I don't really know how to describe it but and then we bring along the guest and the guest (laughs) interview is just about 10 to 30 seconds long and we just say all right show us your Seinfeld and then they just hum the Seinfeld theme song and um, the day that we thought of it, we recorded like five episodes with like pretty big guests just because I just went to a stand up show that I was on and I just asked, you know, like the five people who were on the show, hey, will you do this? And they all did it. That's the beauty of it, too, is that it's like so it's easy. It's like to 10 get- seconds. Yeah. It's so easy that it like ended up. Yeah, you're making me think I should start it back up again. I have a bunch of episodes that I just need to edit. Um, and you should, I think. Okay. It's, it's really funny because it's so unexpected. And yeah. I'll say, coming from someone, you were saying, like, who has time to listen to those? It's me. I, lo- okay. I listened to the Best of Friends one. 
and okay. I love it. It makes me like like you know it's like comfort food, like watching an episode of Friends, and I like to watch the one that they're, they're going to talk about. And it's really funny because they're I've actually had one of them on the podcast, and she's great. Oh, cool. And she they talk about it, you know, from the perspective of two TV writers. So it's interesting to like hear them break it down and be like, this part is actually really problematic. And why are there no black people? And they're so, you know, like homophobic here. And it's interesting to listen to this thing that like, you know, I've seen all these episodes a million times, but to listen to it, but it's also so funny that like, it's something that we do and that we listen to and how much content there is out there. So listening to your podcast, I think was even funnier for me as someone who does like that kind of a show that it just, I don't know, really made me laugh because it was not what I was expecting, but also like so funny and, and so different. I don't know. It was really cool. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. I, I definitely, whenever I like take an approach at something I don't, I'm not trying to like make fun of it in a like mean spirited way. It's more just like, oh, this is kind of silly and funny. Yeah. And, you know, just like pulling back a little bit and like applying that format in a different way to kind of point out, oh, that's silly. But yeah, I'm not like hating on, yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, and it's not, it's not mean. Like, I don't think, yeah. and I'm sure you, you probably are of the same mindset, but I feel like it's not funny when people are mean. You know, I think yeah. it's funny when people are just like earnestly like making a commentary on something that humans do that is inherently right. f- kind of weird, you know? Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, the thing with comedy is it's like meanness and negativity are by far the easiest things you can do. I mean, it's pretty easy to take anything and make fun of it and be critical of it. And I think a much more interesting and difficult route to take is yeah, more of an appreciation for something or, or maybe just an analyzation of something that's not negative, but more just like, I, I don't know, that dives deeper into it besides just like being negative about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of comedians who are just like, you know, get up on stage and it's like, oh, fuck this. And oh, I don't know if you swear on this thing, but. Um, yeah, go for it. Feel free. I don't, I personally don't swear. That's why I'm using this as an example of what I kind of. Right, right. Because a little bit annoying. It's just like, yeah, just like being negative about something and. I don't know. It's it's kind of like the easiest route, I feel like. It's a bit cheap. Yeah. Well, this is good. I wrote this in my notes as something that I wanted to ask you, and it feels it feels timely now. So what advice do you have for comedians? Um, don't do it. No, <laughs> uh, no it's – I think – uh, I mean, I'm struggle, I struggle with a lot of – the entertainment industry is really frustrating and hard, and I think the best advice that I've ever heard that – I also have a hard time following is just you just have to focus on doing the work and getting better and working hard and and doing what you feel is creatively your own vision and then the the results will come but it's that whole thing of you have to focus on the process and not the outcome and it's very hard to keep that in mind when you want a certain outcome from a certain thing or you have something that you're up for that you don't get or you see someone else get something that you think that you deserve and it's a very frustrating process but the important thing is just continue to do work that you're proud of and then the other stuff will fall into place yeah i think that's really good life advice and like career yeah, advice in general no matter right. what yeah, yeah. What's it's your... almost impossible to follow that. Yeah, so exactly. I'll, I'll throw that advice with a caveat that it's difficult and I'm not good at it. So. Yeah, 
What's your favorite part of being a comedian? Um, or just all you do so many things, but like all the yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah. I think just yeah, just being able to um, take something that to me is funny, and then just to craft it in a way that has a broader appeal and understanding. It's just a really cool thing. I think it's like because oftentimes something will happen and, and you'll be like, oh, that's funny, and then you'll try to tell it to someone and like there's something gets lost in the translation. And I'm, I'm like a very mathematical person in general, and there's just something about like the math that goes into taking something personal and making it universal and understandable and getting that same reaction. And, and there's just something cool about the way stand-up in particular is like you are in control of what the person who's watching you is thinking and you're actually in control of their thought process of that in that moment and like their brain and you can like lead them down a path and it's just there's something very interesting to me about that dynamic of of like because watching comedy whoa, is a very that's like such an interesting thing to think about it's very yeah whoa, cuz yeah. watching comedy is a very in- mentally intensive process it's not like listening to music your brain fundamentally processes music and like speech differently and it's like there's something about when you're doing like a joke or telling a story it's like you are i don't know yeah something about the way everyone's thought process is like synced up and if you can get a room full of people to go down the same path that you did and tell a story without like and and like you'll like so one thing that'll happen is you'll be like halfway through a thing and there'll be like a couple people who know where you're going with it and already start laughing and that's like really rewarding because it's like oh these people are understanding what, where this is going to go yeah i don't know that is to say mind control is why i like comedy <laughs> yeah exactly Wow. Yeah, it's interesting to think of it in that way. What are what is kind of like your combination? I talk a lot about like getting the combination right, like in life, like, you know, on the days when you like eat the right amount or the right things and get enough private time and enough time with people and enough, you know, to be a good human in the world and creatively fire on like full blast or whatever. What is what are some of your like pre-show rituals or how do you, you know, what is your day like when you have a a show or how do you, you know, eat before and like move before and get dressed before? Like what are kind of your routines before a show, like right before and like leading up to it and all of that I find so fascinating. Oh, cool. Um, well, I will say that at this point, um, I've been doing comedy for like eight years, almost eight years. And at this point, I don't really distinguish between having a show on a certain day and not. Like, I just, you know, I, I do it so often that I, I don't actually, like, live my day any differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as just general life stuff, like, eating well is very important to me. And I'm very, like, uh, I'm very aware of, like, you know, finding food that fits. Like, I, you know, I'll travel a lot to, to do comedy and I'm, like, annoying about food which means that, you know, it's, like, sometimes hard. And so that's, like, my number one thing is just, like, having food that I feel good about that makes me feel good allows me to be my best self. Mm-hmm. And social stuff is very important to me. I'm, like, a very social person. I'm definitely an extrovert. Like, I get energy and happiness from being around people. So that's just something where it's, like, recognizing that in myself and, like, 
taking care of myself in that way and being like, oh, if I want to go to this thing, I should go because if I stay home, I will feel not good about myself and where I'm at. And I don't know. So I think just recognizing what you need is very important. And then as far as actually at a show, I don't know. I just try to, um, you know, right before I go on stage, I just try to think positively about myself and about um, what I'm about to do and just try to be in a positive frame of mind, I guess. Cool. The thing you were talking about, about being an extrovert and, and pushing yourself to get enough social interaction, sounds like that's something that you really had to cultivate some self-awareness. To, and I want to go back to, to food and, and talk more about that later. I, I wrote that down, but I want to kind of like tie this bow up about comedy and, and creativity first. Yeah. But it sounds like you with really cultivated the self-awareness of you know being an extrovert and you know knowing yourself in that way do you find as an extrovert that you have to sometimes push yourself to go out or go to a social thing when it might feel you know cozy or you want to stay home and you know it will make you feel better to go or as an extrovert you want to go like I don't know if my question is making sense but like for yeah. me I can no, it, struggle with it that. makes sense okay yeah it makes sense for me it's definitely the latter like I don't there's never like if I want to go to something it's never a struggle for me to make so myself you're very like, extroverted I, I, I'm like very very extroverted I've yeah, never like, like of. heard of someone so extroverted I yeah, feel like I mean, everyone like, is mo- a little bit more closer on the spectrum where they have to or maybe I'm just like friends with a lot of introverted leaning people <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm in a relationship now with Andre, as we spoke about earlier, yeah. and, like, if she were not in the picture, I would go out every night, like, just every night. And I also, going out, I should clarify, I don't, like, drink, I don't party or anything, it's not, right. like, that kind of thing, it's, like, going to a comedy community, show, and, yeah. and, yeah, it's just community stuff, or going and, playing, I play a lot of board games, like, going and playing board games with a group of friends, I kind of like to do stuff every night, yeah. and if there's been like a 24 hour period which I, where I haven't like left my house. It does, I have to leave. Like I can't handle that. Yeah. That's Um, so interesting. And I guess also like you don't work in an office, so it's not like you're like going, you have to kind of, that makes sense that you would want to do something in the evenings with people. Right. Right. And also part of stand up world is like just being around. Like part of my job is like going and hanging out at a show that I'm not, on that night just to like be around and to like watch what people are doing and to say hi to friends and it's like I mean the word networking I guess is what I would use to describe that but it's not like it's not that it's not like I'm going there to get a thing you know it's kind of like oh I like watching comedy I like watching the jokes people are doing about what's happening in our world right now I like being around friends of mine and saying hey to them and watching a show and Maybe I did the show a few weeks ago, and I'm not going to, like, do it again soon, but I want to just, like, go hang out with people I like. And, yeah, so that's, like, very much a part of the job is just, like, hanging out with other comedians at shows or getting, yeah, stuff like that. And Dre's an introvert, right? She's a very heavy introvert. I mean, not heavy. She's not a heavy introvert. I would describe her as, I think she describes herself as well, as an introvert with, like, extrovert qualities where... When she's in a public setting, she is, you know, like shining, shining brightly and she's like the center of attention and everyone loves her and she's able to talk and be gregarious and all those things. She's not like in her own head. But she doesn't get her energy that way. Right, right. Doing that activity depletes her. 
Yes. Yeah, I'm totally the same as Dre. How does that mm-hmm. play out in your relationship? Is it just helpful to know that information and then it's kind of fine or has it ever like been a struggle? Um, there are times when it's not a struggle, but there are times when we've gone out a few nights in a row and I really want to do something and she doesn't. And she's kind of like, I don't have the energy to do that. And I'm like, oh, but this is important to me. And so kind of stuff like that happens. Or there'll be nights when I want to go out and she just wants to stay in and I'll be like, okay, I'll stay in with you. And so we both kind of um, are willing to compromise when the other person has a strong feeling about something. Yeah. Um, But she's, no, but she's been very, I think since dating me, she's like been much more social and she'll like go to shows often that I'm on and. And also it can be as easy as like going out for an hour and like I have a set and I just like go and do a set and we like watch a little bit and then we go to dinner. So it doesn't have to be like a a marathon, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you can kind of get ahead of it. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. But yeah, it's no, but it's good. And also it's, I think, slowing down a little bit and like taking more time to be, you know, just alone with her or to like watch a movie at home. Like I think that's also a good thing that I definitely didn't really prioritize in the past and um i think it's nice yeah oh i love that you guys are i mean we'll get into this more too but you guys are total or we can just keep this going now relationship (laughs) goals like so inspiring and i want to do a whole separate podcast about about that which i already kind of told you about but yeah right now since we're since we're talking about this what comes to mind relationship advice would you have if you had to kind of like sum up what you've learned from all your relationships in your life I guess but this one in particular what is kind of one piece of advice you would give if you had to like narrow it down to one thing um let's see well one thing that I struggle with and that I'm learning um I'm not, I have not been in a lot of relationships I've dated a lot but I was never like this is the most serious relationship I've ever been in mm. um just with where it's at. I've never lived with anyone or anything like that. Um, but one thing that I personally struggle with, so I think that's a good point to um, start with, is I'm, like I said before, I'm very analytical. And sometimes in a relationship, you have to, like, we'll be arguing about something or at least just having a conversation about something. And analytically, I don't understand why she has a problem with something or why we're talking about this certain thing. But at a certain point, it's like I have to not approach it from that perspective and just approach it from like whether or not I think it makes logical sense, this thing is affecting her in a negative way. And if she's someone I love and care about, I have to support her in that and try to fix it. And that's definitely a hard thing for me to do because I I do approach things from such a logical, analytical perspective. But learning to put that aside when it's in contrast to the way she's feeling is something that I'm learning and that I'm getting better at. Mm, that's so cool. I love that. Cause it's I, like the way I think we operate is, is I think we operate on very different wavelengths. Like she's a little bit more emotional and in touch with that side of things. And I'm just not, I just, it's not really how I'm wired. Um, but I think it's important also to be like, oh, but I love and care about her so much and I don't want her to feel this way. So I will obviously, you know, try to do my best to fix whatever the issue is. Yes. Oh, I love that. That 
I think so that, that's why I'm I'm done cheating on her officially because we had the conversation. I'm just kidding. It was not like a large thing like that. I'm totally kidding. It's like something small. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, logically, logically, I'm like, well, why not? You know, but God, logically, emotion. oh my gosh. Were you at Were you at Reed Burning Man, and it was just something from the camps? Yeah, you... <laughs> yeah. I was just at Reed Burning Man, and we were just like on the slide. On the slide, it was like a free love kind of situation, <laughs> and I just, who am I to say no, you know? Oh, yeah, Not that's a- so funny. No, I love I love that, though. I think it's honestly just empathy, like being, right, right. you know, you know and, and self-awareness and, like, awareness, learning the other person. I think it's like learning a language of, like, oh, this is a person who is different than me and has different ways of processing, and I'm going to have to learn that language if we're going to be able to communicate or in the case of the relationship like coexist and I I talked to Dre about this in her episode because much like I did today with you the day I had her on I I spent the day with her on the internet and I heard the story of you guys with the water and how you had (laughs) gone to get spring water and had it in your alkaline water whatever and it was in the back of her brand new car and people Definitely listen to the Dre episode. They already heard the story, but all of the water, um, or maybe I don't even know if I told it in there. I, mean, I don't know. It's all blurring together. But anyway, yeah. the um, the glass broke and it got all over the back of the car. And the way you guys handled that situation just sounded so adult and healthy and inspiring. And I was that. I think that was the moment where I fell in love with you as a couple. <laughs> oh, and I was just you. like, that's how it's done. You laughed, you didn't blame each other, you just handled it, and you were like, yeah, this is a negative situation, and, like, it's not really anyone's fault, but we're not going to blame each other, we're just going to handle it and move on. Is that kind of, did I glean yeah. what happened right yeah. from that? Yeah, it was a glass jug of water, and it broke, and five gallons of water just went pouring into her <laughs> her back of her brand new car that we had gotten the day before. Yeah, it was definitely like a very scary. And there's like a subwoofer underneath her back seat or whatever. And it like went all in there and it was like in a pool of water. Um, But yeah, we did not get mad at each other. We were just like, okay, we're going to deal with this. And we bailed the water out and we took the subwoofer out. We just did all the things that you'd want to do to fix it and didn't argue about it. And yeah, it was totally, it was like a very like, yeah, it was a very trying experience that we both passed. So that and was now nice. look, who ever would have thought that you're that you would have a fan in the Midwest find this story Here and fall in love with you and want Here you to adult adult adopt them. Adult and so adopt. It, everything happens for a reason. Silver lining, if I've ever heard one. Yeah, exactly. Um. Oh my gosh. Okay. So many things. I want to go back quickly to your career super quickly because you are not only a comedian, like we said, you're obviously a writer and you're an actor and I loved you in Alexi's short film and like we were talking about earlier, the amazing pilot that you wrote and it's so good. It's called Ghost Family and it's hilarious and I just, I loved it so much can you first can you before I like say all my thoughts and feelings on it can you tell people in your words what it's about and kind of how the idea came to be yeah yeah thanks for saying all that um so yeah I shot and I wrote with my friend Zed Kutzinger we wrote a pilot last year that a production company shot and um, I'm very happy with how it turned out and it's not available online it's like we're still shopping it around to networks and we're trying to be able to make more of it um but 
what it's about is it's about a high school student whose family unfortunately dies, but they come back as ghosts. Yay! And they are raising him as ghosts until he becomes a man, i.e. he loses his virginity. So he is their unfinished business left on this earth. So the tone is basically a parody of coming-of-age sitcoms, I guess. And the humor comes from... The humor is very absurd, but the characters behave in believable and grounded ways. And yes. That's kind of very important to me, is that even if the situation that's happening is crazy, the way that the character behaves is from an emotional core that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And my least favorite thing is when, like, something happens in a movie or a TV show, and the way someone be- responds is just very, doesn't make sense and doesn't really line up with what you just saw. Like, if someone flips out and gets, like, really mad over something that seems small, like, those kind of things really bother me. So our thing is very absurd. I mean, it's, like, very Strangers with Candy. Like, it kind of has, like, a very absurdist element to it. Like, crazy things will happen. But the characters behave in ways that are believable. And a lot of the humor comes from, like, kind of just, like, a sped-up version of sitcom tropes with no context. Because you already understand these stories and these tropes so you don't actually need like all the details in order to fill in the gaps for example in the pilot there's like a nerdy girl who asks me to study and then all of a sudden for no reason the next scene she's like super hot and wearing a dress and like all done up and like you don't need to see her go through that transformation but it's like you understand what that is and that's like a trope that you've seen in plenty of movies where like the nerdy girl gets like a makeover or whatever and it's very absurdist and funny, and it's like all of a sudden she looks like that. And that's yeah. kind of like the humor that we're going for. It's just like, oh, I know what that's referencing. Yeah. And funny to see it in this context. Yeah, I instantly, like, for that character, I thought of Brittany Murphy and Clueless, and, like, you just, you didn't need to see it. You got it. Like it Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's so cool. And I, I, like, wrote that down to tell you that there were so many real moments in the characters' reactions within the chaos and the strangeness and the absurdity right? situationally that they could be really real and authentic and have, like, actual real moments, especially your character. And it's kind of like what we were saying before, that, like, mean is never funny. I think it's, like, it's kind of the same thing. Like, it kind of happens in a way that's unexpected. Like, the, the bully kind of ends up being... You know, yeah. nice. Like I, I love that. That's so. Yeah, much. there's like there's a bully who bullies me, and then like in a later scene, like he's at the locker with me, it's and we're talking, and like in the previous scene, he was like really mean to me, and in this scene, we're like nice, and then he leaves the scene. He's like, "All right, take care. I'm your best friend now," and then just walks away. And it's like, <laughs> I love it. you know what you know that story. You've seen that story happen in the past. Yeah. To see it without any of the context of, like, why their relationship changed is just, I don't know, it's funny to us. It's yeah. so funny. The whole thing was just, was, oh, it was so good. I want to, like, oh, hang up you. and go watch it again. But I'm talking oh, to you, so you. I'm going to do that on my own time. Yeah, um, yeah. While you're using my Netflix password later. Exactly. I'll yeah, do that. I can't wait. I'll watch can't the wait. Great. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a um, across-the-country joint watching separate things 
yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> anytime, um, anytime I'm using your Netflix login, you can watch my pilot. Perfect. Instead, so perfect. perfect. Yeah. That will work. Yeah, out and great. I really hope we get to make more. I mean, we're in the process right now of like having meetings and trying to find the right people, and it's um, very, very frustrating. I'll say that, but it's 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 fine. Good. Well, keep me posted because I can't yeah. wait for everyone else to experience the joy that I did watching this. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was so great. So we kind of touched on this, but do you have any like writing processes or writing routines? I mean, I know you were talking before how you built that structure and of like working with a friend, but you know, what do you do when you're feeling uninspired creatively writing, whether it's comedy or, you know, a script that you're working on? Do you have any tricks or advice there? I really don't have a ton of tricks. Um, thinking big picture sometimes helps, like just thinking about the outline of something instead of a specific scene and like really having a bigger idea of the characters and who they are and, and what the overall story you're trying to tell. I think sometimes that helps before you get into the smaller stuff. I've, I've recently downloaded this thing called Oblique Strategies. Have you heard of this? No, tell me everything. That's good, I think, to look into. I've just used it only a few times, so I'm not an expert on it. But do you know who Brian Eno is, the musician, composer? Mm. He's like a British, I think he's British. He's like, a, I think, 70s and 80s. I could be wrong about that. Uh, but he's like a, a producer and musician, and he's very, he's like, you know, he's kind of like a David Bowie figure, you know, where oh. he's like a very multifaceted and has done a lot of stuff and is like very oh, influential. Cool. Yeah, I've been living very, in the rock. Yeah, he's 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 good. He has a really good album that I think is called Taking Tiger Mountain that is, is very interesting. It's like the music is there's something very interesting about it. Anyway, he's a good musician and he created this thing called Oblique Strategies, which I heard about on a podcast, I think like um, Radio Lab or something. Uh, and it's like it was originally devised for music, like when you're writing music, it'll just give you these ideas like if you hit a certain wall, it's like add, you know, add X, add, or I don't know, like slow it down by 5%, like kind of stuff like that. But then it also like applies to other creative stuff. I'm actually trying to find it right now on my phone so I can just like read one to give you an idea of what it actually is. So is it like a productivity kind of? Yeah, it's like, okay, right now. So I'm looking at it right now on my mm -hmm. phone. It's called Oblique is the app. Okay. And Okay, this one that just popped up, it says, explain it to a child. Mm. So it's kind of like it takes whatever idea you're working at and oh. just allows you to think of it in an oblique, which I guess means like different and way you wouldn't otherwise think of kind of way. Cool. Um, so explain it to a child, this next one. This is for music. It says, imagine the music as a moving chain or caterpillar. So it originally was for music, but it works for other things. Um, Oh, that's uh, a cool tool. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of like prompts. Yeah, prompts. This next thing says, who is this for? What would they think? And so cool. it's like if you're stuck, it just allows you to get a different perspective on it and ask questions that you on your own would not ask of it. Oh, nice. I love that. Yeah. So, yeah, this one says change the surroundings instead of the thing. Mm. Yeah, so it's. I would say do that, and I'm only just now getting into it, but I've. it's... I, I've... Uh, it seems cool. I don't know. It's like a, it's a different way to stimulate your own creativity, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. All right. So 
outside of comedy, we can veer out of it, we can come back into it, but we were kind of talking about this before, and I wanted to kind of loop back to this, but when we were talking about, you know, getting the combination right, I think about this a lot for life, you know, in terms of your body, and, you know, it's, as I know you know, and, you know, it's been like a path to figure that out, or at least it has been for me, but I think it's easy to think it's just from the body and what you eat and how much you move, but it's also how much you're, you know, connecting with other people. And like you were saying, how much you're being social and how much you're alone and how much you're creatively, you know, outputting right. and all of or those like, things. Or like how much you love yourself or yeah. that's a very big thing too. Yeah, yeah, what your thoughts are, all of that. So how did you kind of start to get that combination right? And, and that's like what I think is fascinating. And, and I think you started to mention before, which I know I really relate to, of, you know, first getting really into food and, you know, health and as like a way of eating almost to a fault of like going kind of too deep into it. And, and Dre right, and I right. had like a good conversation about this too, of like, you know, pulling back and finding intuitive eating. So kind of walk us through your kind of story with that. Okay. So this is definitely a, a large issue for me. And this, the way I have to get into it is a little bit confusing and requires backstory, but um, ultimately I grew up with a very sick mother. Um, she is still alive, but she has MS and she's been in a wheelchair for like 15 years and she was sick pretty much my whole life growing up. Mm. So I was, and I would like, I was taking care of her in high school and stuff and, and she was, it's, it was a very upsetting thing to, to watch and it has given me a very important perspective on the importance of health and of wellness and of being an able-bodied person and being able to do the things that you want to do without anything holding you back. So as soon as I graduated college, like I said, my school was very academically rigorous. And I don't quite know exactly what happened, but I got very sick as soon as I finished college. Like I was just like, so sick all the time, like, could barely get out of bed, like, was just like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was just like this overall feeling in my body that I was not well. And I was very scared of going down a similar path to my mom. She has MS, which is like an autoimmune disease, and and some people say it's hereditary, but it's also maybe not clear that it is, and I was concerned about um, being put in a similar position and I just was sick, and I couldn't really do comedy. I couldn't really even think straight. It was like a very confusing, uh, disheartening situation. And I would go to doctors, like Western doctors, and they'd be like, oh, maybe you're depressed. And I'd be like, that's not, like, that's not the situation. It's like a physical thing that like, I can't function, and I've never had this problem before, and I've never had issues with depression. And the only thing I'm depressed about is that I like can't think straight and can't wake up in the morning and can't get out of bed and all these things. Anyway, so through a very long, very frustrating process that is too much to even get into now, I think I had mercury poisoning. Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, maybe some people wouldn't think that that is a thing. I, I don't really know, but I had like a test from a doctor that was, he took my blood and then they met, measured heavy metals. And then I um, found that my mercury was like off the charts. And 
I think it was a combination of a few things. I think it was, I mean, I don't really know why it happened, but I had gotten a tattoo that had red ink in it, and red ink apparently has mercury in it. And then also right after college, I went to Japan for like a trip, and I ate fish for like a couple months straight, and fish has a lot of mercury in it. And I had gotten an immunization before I left, and immunizations have mercury in it. And that's not like a conspiracy theory thing. I'm not saying immunizations cause autism or something, but immunizations do have mercury in it. It's not like a disputed thing. They just do. It's just mm-hmm. people say it's not going to hurt you, and most likely it probably won't. But I think the combination of those three things and then the town I grew up in had a lot of mining going on Like before it was a ski town. I think there was like weird mining stuff in the river that I would swim in. A lot of kids I grew up with actually got sick later in life. I, I kind of am tying all these pieces together. But all that is to say that I got very sick and the mercury thing seemed to be it and it took a long time to get better. I had to do like, I had to get like these IVs all the time. I had to take like these pills that made me go like really made, like the thought process behind these pills that I would take is that it would pull the mercury from different cells in your body and it actually would make me mentally go kind of like really crazy like because it was supposed to be pulling it from your brain. I don't know. This is getting into very weird science-y like alternative medicine stuff but I did stuff for like a year or two that was really hard and that took a lot of time and was a very um, invasive and intensive process. And was this then, when you were living in Portland? Yeah, this is when I was in Portland. Okay. So when I moved to New York, like I was saying earlier. Oh, you were in the midst of that. Yeah, the reason why I left is because I was so sick I like couldn't function. That makes sense. So I was like, this is not a place to get well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I left New York, went back to Portland, lived there. Um, uh, and, uh, was just sick all the time, but was able to get better and slowly and slowly got better. And then, um, yeah, eventually I just stopped taking, I would like do saunas every day to like sweat out the mercury. I mean, there was just a lot of weird stuff that I was doing, but at the end of the day, I feel a million times better now. I don't think my health is impaired in any way at this point. And I feel like a different person than I was, you know, four year, four or five years ago. Oh, good. Um, I'm so glad. Yeah, so all that is to say that being so, growing up with a mom who was sick, and then as an adult feeling like I was getting very sick and couldn't function, like, I very much value my own health and well-being and my ability to um, just function on a day-to-day basis, so, like... I don't know if I need to not eat gluten. I don't know if I need to eat vegan all the time. Like, I don't know if that's ultimately the best thing for me. Yeah. But after experimenting with different things and trying every possible food combination that would maybe make me feel better and just experimenting with different supplements and eating soy and not eating soy and eating meat and not eating meat and all these things, I've just found, like, the specific subset of things that I feel like don't make my stomach hurt and give me energy and make me feel okay. So I'm like very particular about um, food and health. And it's also why I don't drink alcohol. Like I found that when I drank alcohol, I would just get very hungover, like on a level that I don't think anyone else would. And I think it was just because I was sick at the time. And like I would like have two or three drinks and I like couldn't do anything the next day. I was like so sick. Um, And I now think it's because like my, my liver and kidneys and stuff were overloaded from this other stuff that I was dealing with. Yeah. But I also found that alcohol just isn't something I need in my life, so I cut that out. But, yeah, like having discipline about what I ingest and and how I take care of myself has just allowed me to live a much fuller life. And, 
you know, sometimes I'll have friends who will like be like, oh, like what can you eat? And they kind of like make fun of me a little bit about it. But at the end of the day, it's like I've dealt with, I've gone down the path of, of unwellness and I will avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Well, I love the way, well, it's kind of like what I was talking about before about you found your combination, you know, like that's the way I mm-hmm. articulate it. Like we all kind of have to find the combination that works well for us and it's not like as you know now, it's not just the food, but that's one part of it that right. is important. And I think, you know, being someone who has gone like too far in that direction of, you know, to the point where it like affects my mental life and it affects my social life in a negative way, it sounds like you're at this place where you're just like, I know myself, I know it works. I'm not letting this impact my social life or professional life in a negative way i'm i'm still going out i'm still doing things i'm still around people i'm still able to create i just know this is the way that it works best for me and i think just realizing that it it goes back to self-awareness of just like knowing you're an extrovert or knowing you're an introvert is not to be like oh i'm a victim of myers-briggs just like this is how i interact in the world best or this is how i eat in the world best and i feel like you just have to try a bunch of things to to figure that out and it sounds like that's what you did right 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 so, yeah and i think i think part of that is people need to not judge other people for whatever it is that makes them feel the best yes preach and it's it's hard i mean it's hard because people like yeah like it's so interesting that like that trope of like vegans being picky or whatever the hell that is when in reality most all vegans I know are living their life and doing what they believe is best for them morally and health wise and oftentimes don't talk about it but people who for some reason have an issue with it will like be really mad and vocal about it in the opposite direction and it's like I didn't mention it I just ordered my meal exactly you're the one who's like bringing it up and making it an issue yeah yeah so weird. I, I think know. it's I mean I've talked to Dre about this I think it's ultimately just their own insecurity you know it's like if someone is like on your case about something it's because they feel guilty that they're not vegan you know because they they probably know oh i should be doing that but i for whatever reason am not capable of doing it and so i'm going to make this person feel bad for doing what i can't do yeah and yeah and i i'm of the mindset of like everybody's different and and maybe i don't think everyone needs to you know be 100 percent plant-based or do you know and and i I don't I don't even, you know, do that. And I think it's about, you know, not being hard on yourself or or anyone with with what they eat. But what I've realized over the last, you know, years of my 20s, which I just didn't know as as a child and growing up and just being younger, is how deeply personal eating is and how it's it's something that you know, we talk about all the time and we think about all the time and we socially do together all the time. But when it comes to, and I think this is changing and and almost like being brought to light even more. And I'd love your like perspective on this because of the, you know, trendinization, like how trendy, Mm -hmm. you know, health and wellness is, is becoming now. This is, it's, it is being talked about more and especially where you live, but like where I live in the middle of the country, like it's so deeply personal and people take offense to, you know, I I see this almost like with my family or with, you know, people that have known me 
through all different eating strategies that I've like been through where they're like, Oh, so what are you eating now? And how, and and they kind of look at it as like, Oh wait, you're not eating that yet. I thought that was good. I I should not be eating that yet. And they're like almost watching you. And it's like, I want, want to just be like, no, 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 you do you. And I don't want to make anyone feel bad. And I just, this just works for me today. Who knows what I'm going to be eating tomorrow or in 10 years. Let's just like, everybody just kind of, do themselves but also everyone wants to talk about it i don't know it's very complicated i feel like i'm not articulating myself well but no no you are you are i understand what you mean like there's that thing where if you're like eating at someone's house and like you know that you'll be fine and you'll figure it out but they make a big deal out of it where like every five minutes they're mentioning like oh i didn't know what you could eat so can you eat this can you eat that you're like I see what you made. I will make I my own it. informed decisions. Like, just let me do it instead of yeah. making that be the focal point of the dinner. Yeah, totally. And and the other thing, too, is it's so connected to body image and weight. And, we, you know, and the reality is that we do live in, like, a very fat-phobic society. And we live mm-hmm. in, you know, this society that puts a value on, on thinness. And I think especially for women. And, and this is something, too, that I would love your perspective on because – you know, this is something I always talk about on the podcast is, is body image. And it's always usually from a female perspective because I mostly talk to women on this podcast. But I would love your perspective as a male and as a performer and how body image impacts you. And just, you know, with the with eating, I think it and having these conversations, I think that is also something that can make people feel uncomfortable and you know talking and and having these conversations so you know with you with body image and you know the way that you're eating and and you know obviously your health issues but like has that been something on your mind as a male and something that like what have you struggled with image wise in the world just kind of in general yeah um i'm very very skinny and it's like because i also eat really well like, you know, I'll often get like, oh, you, you shouldn't be eating that way and you need to gain weight and all these things. And it's like, I try to gain weight. Like, I'll try and eat stuff that's a little bit fattier that still, you know, fulfills my check marks of what I'm trying to eat. And I, like, try to eat more and more. And, I, and I've tried all these things, but it's like my weight does not change. Like, it just won't. It's like, it just is what it is unless I started eating, you know, like Twinkies or whatever probably. But even then, I don't know. But... So I've had like a, like people will criticize me for like being too skinny and like you need to gain weight. And it's like, I, I'm, I feel healthy. I don't feel like I'm lacking anything that I need health wise. I'm, I, I'm trying to just do what I think is best for me. I'm not like restricting the food I'm eating. I'm not I, like, I don't know. It's so I do, I do feel that judgment from people. And it's funny. It's like, you're talking about like fat phobic and stuff. I think that people are a bit more like tactful about that, you know, like because yeah. it, it is, you know, it is a thing that people are aware of, but people are very not tactful about like me being too skinny. Like people will not have any, like, it's not even like, it wouldn't even cross their mind that that would be something that like, I actually don't want to talk to them about, right. you know? Yeah, kind that makes sense. That makes sense. Cause I think it's, it's an ideal that people Right. actively talk about wanting so they're just kind of like well this is easy for them and it's almost like it's okay for us to to put out there yeah I mean I want to gain weight and I've like tried different things and it's like it just doesn't happen for me I don't know like maybe I need to like work out and go to the gym or something but I don't know like I exercise a lot I 
do active things. I eat as much as I want to eat, and I eat what I want to eat. But yeah, I think like my, my my mom is very skinny. She's always been very skinny. Like I think my metabolism is just like not. Yeah, stopping. yeah. Body diversity exists, and like yeah. thank goodness that it does, because it'd be so boring if it didn't. And I think you're perfect the way that you are. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so just think about me saying that every time anyone says something. Yeah, I'll tell them. I'll, I'll show them your. Yes, just be like this girl thinks I'm perfect yeah. how I am. So yeah, she's cool, and look at the stuff she's doing. So <laughs> shut up. Perfect. Great. I'm glad we handled that. I got you a password. Yeah. You're getting value from this podcast as yeah, well. Yeah, this is great. Perfect. Great. great. So, okay. Thinking about the other part of the combination that isn't the, you know, what you're putting into your body, but what you're putting into your mind, how do you handle stress and your, how do you take care of your mental health and your, you know, mental game? Do you meditate? Do you, are you in therapy? Like, what kind of things do you do there? Um, I am not a practicer of either. But I want to be. Um, I have meditated over the years, like not in a a very um, rigorous or organized way. But I'll meditate, you know, like once a week if I'm just feeling like stressed out. I'll do like a, you know, like a f- ten to fifteen minute thing. Dre did buy me transcendental meditation for my birthday. Oh, cool! Yeah, so I need to um, organize. I need to set that up. I've, I um, I've looked at their schedule. And I need to find a, a, a week that works for me. Yeah, and then it's only like therapy, four days or three. Days I know, I know. Yeah, it's not not so long. And therapy, I've done, but I haven't done regularly. And I just, yeah, that's something that I just need to do. And I agree with that. Um, but I'm, I'm only sixteen, and I'm still <laughs> figuring it out. And I'm gonna get there. And your parents are ghosts, and you're just my parents trying to- are ghosts. Oh, there we go. No, yeah, I, I need to go to therapy, and I just I haven't brought myself to do it i went to one therapist here in la but it was like really far and it just wasn't practical and i was just like this isn't the right fit yeah but I just need to, it's hard to find i don't know it's like people have recommended people to me like every time i do anything everyone's always like oh you need to go to therapy and they give me a recommendation anytime i go anywhere to a restaurant or anything and no, i'm just i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's always saying that to me no but i have wanted to go and i, I think i will and maybe this is the push that i needed you're getting so much from this podcast. You got to pass. You got to push to therapy. I mean, it's going to be great for me. It's going to be great. I wrote this book about journaling. And so I always ask people their relationship to, to journaling or, or writing. Have you ever been a, a journaler or do you process things through writing? Yeah, I have. I have never done that. And I don't really do that. But I know Dre had mentioned her Lotus and the Lily thing on the last yeah. podcast. I am doing that. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so I'm doing that uh, every day, and it's yeah, it's definitely hard for me to do. I'm not good at like writing down the thought. I don't know. It's it's just like it's hard for me to do, but I'm working on it and I'm doing it, and I think I'm getting stuff out of it. I don't know. Yeah, I would say I you know. are. I would say that your body is the perfect size, and you're getting stuff out oh, of your journaling. Add that to the list of reminders. Oh, great. I definitely had a really interesting thing happen to me with this Let Us Lily thing. I'm, like, not yeah. spiritual. That's not – I just don't think in that framework. And I'm not, like – I'm not, like, atheist in the sense that I, like, have a very strong opinion and, like, think about it and care about it. I just – I don't know. I just don't – for whatever reason, it's just that doesn't really drive the way I operate. But I'm, like, willing to 
be into like the spiritual stuff that Dre is into and I'm willing to like go down that path a little bit and and you know like I like meditation and I'm like I, I'm like I'm like I'll dabble in it but it's not like 100% my thing mm-hmm. but so this Lotus and the Lily book like one of the days is like asking you to um ask for a sign from your angels right or your guides they call them your guides or your angels and this is so crazy i'm so excited for this story yeah i think you're really gonna love it this is so crazy so it's like asking you for a um um, a sign from your angels or your guides or whatever and i had been looking for a um title to a car that i need to sell that's another longer story but I was looking for this title and I've been looking for it for a long time and and I was looking for it in my desk and I'm looking for it all over and then I was like oh maybe I'll ask my guides to help me look for it and this is like on the day that you're supposed to look for a sign from your guides and they also say that the guides kind of like like to behave in humorous ways like they have a sense of humor and the way they like to show themselves to you. And so I, for some reason, just had this sudden urge to look in a place in my desk that I've never looked before, which is you open the drawer to my desk, and there are, like, these little smaller, like, little trays inside, like, little, like, cork-lined trays. And I was like, maybe something is underneath one of these trays. Maybe my title is underneath a tray. So I lifted the tray up. And there's one thing right in the center underneath this tray. And it's a piece of paper. It's a card. It's like the size of a business card. And it's from a board game that I found at a, like, uh, not a flea market, but a garage sale. And I just had, like, taken this one card from it because I thought it was funny. And the game is called Ungame. It's called the ungame, and the idea is it just stimulates conversation between like your family or whatever. It's like from like the sixties, or it's a oh, very old game. I would it's a like very, that game. It's a very old game. So it says ungame on one side, and on the other side, it says say something about angels. <gasps> it's just very interesting. So yeah. then, do you find the title? I thought this was. I uh, thought it was going to be a clue. Found the and, title. I know oh. that's. I never found the title. But, like, I was in the process of looking for signs, and then I, there was just, I happened to have this piece of paper that said, say something about angels, and it was just very funny. Yeah. Like, there's something very, because it's like, I was looking for something, I didn't find that, but I was also subconsciously looking for this sign or whatever, and this seems like a pretty clear one. This is, like, like the, the only spiritual thing I've ever had in my life that is like, oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah. Like, this seems like a very weird coincidental thing that I was like, I had this like thought of like, oh, there's going to be something underneath that cork board. It wasn't like, uh, it was like a very split second thought as I was walking away from my desk. Uh, um, the title is still, un- the title is still missing. So anyway. <laughs> well, in the movie version of this, it would yeah. be cool if the card underneath said that and then you like, it was a clue and then you went to the, closet right, where the right. the board game was and somehow you dropped the title into the board game that's where i, I thought know. this was going i i know i know maybe but it was still of, a great story <laughs> uh, maybe not as yeah but it's still like it was pretty was, dre was very into it she was like see <laughs> she was very on board with no, it no i'm i'm totally <laughs> on board with it that's super cool so you're not into spirituality you're more logical so what do you think 
happens when we die? Hmm. Well, yeah. I um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Nobody my does. Pers- yeah, yeah. I don't have the answer, but Shoot. I mean, yeah. My personal belief is like kind of nothing, you know, like nothingness. But I don't really like that, and I wish I didn't feel that way. So you're open, and I'd love to know, like, how this plays out in your dynamic with Dre, who's obviously, you know, spiritual and, you know, into guides and signs and angels, much like I am. Um, How do you guys handle conversations like this? Or like, you know, when she gets excited about seeing a sign or sharing that with you, like, how does that dynamic work out in your relationship? It more just like every time it happens, it kind of inches me a little bit closer to her, to her side of it, actually, (laughs) funny enough. Cool. Like, I don't, I don't, like, say, oh, that's bullshit. Like, I'm not negative about it. I'm always like, okay. And I kind of just silently think about it. And I'm like, all right, I'm edging a little bit more towards believing in, in the stuff that she does. Do you think that also works, like, in the other way of making her, like, a bit more grounded and logical? No, I don't think so. I don't think she's going to be um, conv- not, I don't think she's going to be unconvinced that asking her guides for a parking space will work. Because it often does. So yeah. I don't really know. I don't really know. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, but no, I'm not, yeah, I'm not like, if something like that happens, I don't say like, oh, no, that was just chance. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to like, take Explain that. Perspective. I just yeah. like, I just think, you know, it's really cool that her mind works in that way. And it's really cool, the idea that maybe that's a thing. And I appreciate it. And I hope that she's right. That sounds better than my version. I love that. That's cool. Yeah. So I get this next question from the artist way, Julie Cameron, who I mentioned earlier. So this is, if you had five alternative lives other than what you're doing now, what would they be? First things that come to mind. Huh. I think the number one thing would probably be just like living in the middle of nowhere in the woods like doing something with nature like you know like I have a friend who will work um, he's like a ornithologist and which is like a bird scientist and he will like live on Mount Hood in, in Oregon and like capture eagles and like tag them and like keep track of their paths and like where their nests are and stuff like that I think I, I like I said before I would never not want to live in a city but if I ever were to not live in a city, I wouldn't want to live in a small town. I would want to live in the middle of nature, like not even in a town. Extremes. Yeah, I like the extremes. And I really, yeah, I really do like, I really do like that world. And I think there's something very valuable about immersing yourself in nature and like going camping and going on hikes in the woods and not having a phone and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think that is like the number one alternate reality that I would be in is, um, doing that cool and then five of them oh boy yeah i like that there's so many because it kind of makes you less precious with them you know you can yeah. kind of throw around like silly ones yeah 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 well that is definitely my number one number two would be living in another country teaching english i think nice. like which isn't which isn't a permanent life choice but yeah it's something that i was have always wanted to do and i've 
I've traveled to like Europe and Asia and I've met people who taught English in Japan and I have some friends there who do that and yeah it just seems like a really interesting weird way to live cool as like an outsider but then you have these small communities of like people who are like you and yeah it's kind of there's something interesting about that yeah so there's two three would be something with food I'm not like an amazing cook but I do like to cook it's something that I think is fun unto itself and I think I grew up my mom would like this is something for parents out there my mom growing up I have uh three siblings and we would all um, have different nights where like once a month or maybe like once every week I don't remember the frequency but we'd have to cook plan and cook a meal oh I love that I was like seven or eight years old I would have to plan and cook a meal and I would pick it out of a recipe book and she would do the shopping and um, blue apron for kids yeah blue apron for kids yeah 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 so that's something I think that was really cool growing up and I think that has allowed me to look at cooking as like a fun activity that I do. Um, and Dre, I think, is the same way. And, and I, I, we like cooking together and stuff like that. So that's another thing. Yeah. Wait, so before you go to the next one, while you're thinking, yeah. side note, I'm just super curious about this. And I realized that I should know this after having a two-hour conversation with you. What, um, how many brothers and sisters and where do you fall in the scheme of things? Yeah, yeah. Um, I have two full siblings um one of which is both of, well, one's a girl one's a boy they're both older than me they're like you know in their early 30s my sister just had a baby actually oh, 10 days ago oh so, you're an uncle congrats yeah i'm an uncle for the first time which is pretty cool mm-hmm. so i have those are my two siblings who i grew up with who are like my full siblings but then i also have an older half brother who's like in his 40s and then a younger half brother who's 18 or 19 okay 19 right now yeah cool so you grew up sort of being the youngest in your household yeah correct I was the youngest in my household and then my father had a a son from a later marriage and my mother had a son from a previous marriage so it's kind of all over the place got it cool I just felt like that was information I needed to know for our friendship moving forward after having this conversation just Getting it in now, and I feel like it's always interesting to learn where people fall and like the dynamic of things for you know yeah how they and they all have interact. they all have different lives and I also my older older brother um, who's my half brother is a paranoid schizophrenic oh, wow. and that was a very interesting part of my childhood. I had a very weird growing up where it was like all these things that were like kind of too heavy. I think <laughs> I think mm-hmm. like my mom was sick and then. This, yeah my older brother was living with us and like in and out of jail and like violent and scary. That's a whole other conversation. But ultimately my perspective on it is I'm like comfortable with it and it's fine. And he's doing better now than he ever has. And he is on meds that are working for him. And he is actually living with my mom right now and taking care of her in a crazy, in a crazy twist. Oh, I Uh, love that. Yeah. So it all has worked out in a good way. That could also um, be a script someday. I know. She was very, very there for him for a long time, and now oh. he's there for her, and it's good. It's oh, good. my gosh. Yeah, I can, like, see that that movie. That's lovely. Are you close with, with your other siblings? Yeah, I'm pretty close with them, yeah. Mm. Um, my sister, uh, yeah, I'm really excited that she had our baby, and she lives in San Francisco, and I want to go up there and visit them sometime soon. It just She just gave birth, like, 10 days ago, so wow. it's still very fresh yeah I have a couple family members who 
had MS and I know that that's such a challenging illness and like being in the family with and um, growing up with that, that was probably such a, you know, shaping thing for you and it's probably such a challenge now. But I loved your Snapchats of being with your mom over oh. Christmas break. Oh, thank you. Great. Yeah, she's, it's also, I get along with her so well and she's so funny. And she seems really great, cool. Yeah. Yeah. She's got a very great perspective on things and she's, um, yeah, I, I really get along with her really well. So, um, we have a lot of fun together, but yeah, the, the health thing is really, it's very devastating to see someone who just is just not well and they just wish that things were different and they've tried everything they can to fix it. And it's just, it's a very, very upsetting thing to yeah. witness. Yeah. She seems like a really, really cool lady though. And yeah, that's she's cool that Dre got to meet her because Dre was yeah. with you. I was, I always love watching both of your Snapchats because I get to see like the same thing, but like from the, both of your perspectives and it was, yeah. yeah going home with you for Christmas was lovely with your mom. Oh, thank you. Thanks for coming. You know, we love having you. It was great. You're adult child. Great. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We will take you next year. Wonderful. Um, okay. I think we still have like two more lives left. Should we go back to oh, that? Oh, two more lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I wasn't even thinking. Okay, so I did the... Um, maybe... Uh, skateboarding? Uh -oh. Is that what you're going to say? Oh, yeah, maybe skateboarding. Yeah, I mean, that that is really... F I mean, yeah, I like skateboarding a lot. That's definitely not like... Oh, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other world, like professional skateboarding, and it's very, like... It's very, like... It seems very, like, party-centric, and not, it doesn't really map with my personality. Like, I don't... Yeah. Like, no one in my current life really would have guessed that I'm a skateboarder outside of the fact that I do it. Like, I'm not, I don't dress that, whatever that way is. I don't like, I don't know. Not that, uh, I'm not trying to put a label on it, but there is a certain thing to it that I don't identify with, maybe. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, I guess, pro skateboarder, or just a, just a bum skateboarder, maybe, not even pro. Uh, amateur uh, skateboarder. Just an amateur skateboarder who's just <laughs> cruising around and not doing anything else. Uh, yeah, so basically like what you do now except without all the other things you basically do. Basically <laughs> what I do. And then maybe I really love board games. I play them a lot. Oh. And if I had the time, maybe, yeah, inventing board games would be something I would like to do. I just met a guy last week who's a board game inventor. Oh, really? Yeah, he works. He invents like spinoffs of board games. So like think like Uno Attack and that kind of thing. Oh, cool. But it seems like a cool, cool gig for sure. Yeah, I really like. Um, yeah, I, I think talking about the balance of things that you need, or what was the word you used? The combination. The combination. Yeah, I think I grew up playing video games, and I still play video games a little bit. But I also play board games a lot, and I think I actually really find the value in those things because, especially doing a creative profession. It's kind of like every minute can be a minute that you should be working in a way. Yes. Or it's like you are trying to write a book, like you were saying, or you're trying to write a screenplay or whatever. It's like you can always fault yourself for not working hard enough because every moment is a potential moment you could be working. Mm -hmm. So and it's like your brain will always be thinking about that thing, and it's kind of hard to get perspective and distance on it. Yeah. And I think that video games and board games – really and also sports actually i'll throw sports in there too like 
going swimming or playing like tennis or something, those activities are really good because when you're doing them and when you're actually really involved in it, you are not thinking about anything else other than that activity. And I just think that's a very valuable thing for your brain to take a break from what it is usually thinking about. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I, like I, I played squash in college and we had squash courts and it was just like, it was so fun because it's like the games are short, but like when you are playing and you're like running after that ball, it's like there is nothing else on your mind. Like you are so laser focused. And I think that's a really positive thing for your mental, like just balance. Agreed. Yeah. And I think like you were saying with it, whether it's a creative profession or being an entrepreneur or I'm I'm sure again, I'm not, but I'm sure with being a parent or just like being an adult person that's disciplined and driven, there's always something you could be doing. Like I probably should be buying toilet paper as we speak, you know, like there's right, right. cleaning something, you know, is probably dirty. Like there's right. something you could be preparing or getting ahead for. And so I think for anyone to have something that's mindless not necessarily mindless, but takes up your mind and occupies your mind so you can be mindful right. is exactly, really exactly. valuable. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mindless, it's like mind Full. distracting or something, yeah. I guess. Yeah, mindful. Yeah, it's the, which is, I think, also why people like entertainment. That's why people like movies and television. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's all good for the combination. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the combination. All about that combination. My okay. combination is 333. 64. <laughs> Mine is 47837. Oh, cool. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. I actually should have guessed. It's you, I kind of pegged you for that. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. yeah. You kind of you give off that vibe. I wear it on my vibe. face. Yeah. yeah you yeah. too. I can, I can see that with you. Those oh, threes. cool. Cool. Oh, yeah. great. Great. <laughs> um, okay. So these are the quick fire questions I ask everyone. And again, say the first thing that comes to your mind. Some of them are about your combination. So this one I love asking because it kind of gives you like a glimpse into what it's like to have a sleepover with you. So what are your morning routines? What are like the first few things you do when you wake up in the morning and how do those things affect how the rest of your day goes? Yeah, um, I have tea. I do matcha green tea and I will unfortunately read the news these days, which is really not good for my day. But it's also, like, impossible not to. Mm-hmm. I just can't, I don't know, especially, like, doing comedy and, like, having to have a perspective on everything that's happening. It's just, like, I just can't not look at the news and read whatever awful thing has happened. Um, so that is something I, I wish I could put until later in the day, but I really just can't bring myself not to. So tea and the news. And then now, right now with this puppy, just taking this puppy out and making sure he is able to have a life where he knows what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's really cute. He's so cute. Oh my gosh. I'm obsessed with him and I haven't even seen him in the flesh. <laughs> yeah. Do you do those morning kind of ritual things with Dre or do you guys kind of split off in the morning? She does her own, she does her own thing. And then I, I will do the Lotus and Lily just this month. So that has become a morning ritual. Um, but you guys aren't doing that together because she started it before you. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing it, it together. She's yeah, she's in another room doing it. I like to really be clear on what's going on in exactly. my family. I like to really yeah. have the details here. So I'm sitting and I'm facing east, <laughs> east usually, and she's she's actually facing north. So oh yeah, my gosh. yeah. I can't even laugh anymore because this podcast has gotten so long. I have to go to the bathroom so bad that oh, I'm I trying to get the sad. keep the laughs to a minimum, but. 
it's hard. Um, it's, uh, people say that around me all the all time. The so time. I, I get time. it. I get it. Uh, okay. What about at the end of the day? What are your evening routines? What are the last three or four things you do before bed? How do you wind down? Yeah. Um, I will take a probiotic um, before, be- before bed. Really? I, That's a morning thing for me. I don't know. For some reason, my acupuncturist told me to do it at night. I don't know. I don't know who's right. Huh. I'm going to switch it up tonight. I'm going to switch it Maybe up. Maybe we're Why both not? right. I don't know. Maybe we're both right. Maybe we need to take one in the morning, one in the evening. Yeah. I'm I, I'm bad about night routines. I don't know. You know, I brush my teeth. I take out my contacts. I used to watch Seinfeld almost every night to put myself to sleep. And really? I don't really, I don't really know why, but I really liked like watching Seinfeld in bed. But it has done this thing now where almost any time I'm going to watch a movie or TV show, I will fall asleep. That's so funny. It's really bad. I wish, I think I trained my body to fall asleep when I'm watching something. And it's really hard for me to stay up for anything. Even if it's like in the afternoon and I just like watch like a small thing, I will get really tired. That's so So funny. Don't do that. And I don't even do that anymore because Dre doesn't like doing that. So I don't watch stuff before I go to sleep in bed or anything. But it really screwed me up. I did it in college and it's just like, I just think my body is trained to fall asleep now. That's so funny. It's funny you said Seinfeld too because for whatever reason, whenever I would get sick, like if I had the flu or something, I would always watch Seinfeld. Like in college, I would always turn, it was like my sick, sick comfort. Yeah, it's just like an evergreen thing. I don't know, you can watch any episode a million times Mm -hmm. and it's just still really entertaining. Yeah, I think maybe this is like something I'm just realizing now. I used to watch it with my dad as like a child, so I feel like it's like comforting in a way. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I also used to watch it with your dad, and I kind of agree. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that yeah. Don Dalebout and Simon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he has some great perspective <laughs> on the yeah. Um Okay, so a couple of food questions. Favorite fruit and favorite vegetable? Okay. What, what's an avocado? It is in one of those categories. Yeah, you can count it as your either and then pick another one if you want, or okay. two more. Okay. I'll do avocado and artichoke. Nice, nice. Artichoke. But if you want, a, if you want like a, a real... If you want a real fruit, I guess I'll say um, raspberry, maybe. A sweet fruit, yeah. Raspberries are great. Because I like, I like tart. I like tart a lot. Me and too. So raspberry provides that. Me too. Are you a green apple fan when it comes to apples? I like green apples, yeah. That's Me my too. Apple. Me too. Great. That's great. That's great. No wonder we're friends. Yeah, that's it. We, we, we unlocked the code. I eat a green apple with cinnamon and sea salt every single day up to three. It's like, talk wow, about my, I've never part of my had family. that, and I want to try that. I think I will. It's so good. good. It's so good. Wow. I'll, I'll make it for you when we hang out. And by make it, I mean, like, do Cut two steps. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, what's your favorite place to eat in L.A.? Oh, interesting. And, like, favorite meal there? Yeah. I think my favorite place to eat huh. I mean Cafe Gratitude I eat there the most just because it like really matches on with my diet what do but you I'm get there get, I'm also getting so sick of it that I'm actually not going to answer with Cafe Gratitude okay I'm, I'm going to say Ki- Kitchen Mouse is some place that I really really like eating Kitchen Mouse uh, yeah and I, most people probably haven't heard of that so mm-hmm. that, that's why I'm going a little rogue here um, it's called Kitchen Mouse it's in Highland Park it's it's exact the funny thing about it is it's exactly my diet, like to a T. It is, it is no dairy, no meat, no gluten, but they do have eggs. That's like a hundred percent how I eat. That's like, amazing. 
I'll eat eggs from time to time. It's like the restaurant is just everything there is like on my list. So they have like a really good like, you know, like a really good like uh, tofu nachos. They have like a really good like this. They have these mushroom rice balls that are like these like sticky rice balls with Ooh. like a with like a, a mushroom salad kind of thing and then like a side of avocado i don't know it's just a very good that's my favorite dish there it's it's oyster mushroom some sort of oyster mushroom ball dish that's Ooh, like that the, sounds delicious i want that right now yeah. go there it's very good it's, it's a really good restaurant yeah let's go when i come yeah, to LA. Let's, yeah let's do that yeah, yeah that sounds great what's the best thing you've eaten in the last week oh okay last you can week. say month if you've like not had anything good or whatever yeah. comes well, to mind the best thing I've eaten. Well, actually, I did for my birthday. I had my birthday was last week, and I did a happy um, birthday. Thank you. I did a yearly. I do this yearly birthday party where I invite like twenty to thirty friends to my house, oh, and fine. we all have dinner at eight, and then we just play board games until like five a.m. Oh, that uh, sounds so fun! It's really fun. So this year, I got it catered by Cafe Gratitude, and I had never had their catering before, and it was just really like really great, like. We had a full key lime pie. We had a really great salad. We had, like, the whole bowl. We had a taco bar. And it was just really cool to, like, invite a bunch of people into my into our home and, and have a meal that I that was, like, exactly how I would want to eat at a party but I've never encountered at a party before. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't, like, the most special food. Like, I've had, that, I've had that food there plenty of times. But it was really cool to be at, like, a social party and, and to be eating exactly how I like to eat. And yes. that was the best meal I've had in the last week. Oh, I love that so much. I love hosting. Like, I, I have this huge apartment here, and it's my favorite, favorite thing to do. And I I love just, like, having people. Like, I told that sounds like my ideal social situation from, like, oh, great. combination-wise. And, like, we did Friendsgiving here, and it was the same thing. It was just, like, wh- I just kept having these moments of, like, I like all the people here. I like all the food here as an, you know – introvert extrovert i can like go in my room for a moment and look at my phone if i need to like all of the thing talk about combination it was like got the combination right for the party like it was it was ideal that's great yeah yeah i love that um okay couple more what um is the greatest lesson you've learned about family Hmm. the greatest lesson you've learned about family um i guess for me, it is to, I think it's to not be upset about people for not being able to give you what they're not capable of giving, I guess is the best way to put that. Mm. What I mean is, my father, I get along with him and he's great, but he's ultimately just I don't think he has a, a an emotional maturity of like speaking love, you know. Yeah. And a, and a, at a certain point, it it's it becomes like not helpful and also maybe un unfair even to expect a certain amount from him. I don't know. That sounds depressing, but it's kind of just like. If you are constantly upset with someone not giving you what you think they should give you, you just have to like love yourself enough to not let that affect you and also love them enough to not judge them for not being able to do it. Yeah. That makes sense. 
Yeah. Like it's hard. Acceptance. You want, yeah, you just have to, I guess acceptance is the word. Because it's hard because you want someone to behave in a certain way, but it's actually unfair for you to expect that from them because just based on their life and their upbringing and how they approach things, they're never going to be that way. Their combination. So you can, yeah, you can constantly be disappointed in them or you can just accept it and make the best out of it and focus on the positive, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah, so really healthy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good. That's it's a hard. Really it's good... definitely hard because it's hard not to take, you know, certain things personally or to feel unloved or or any of these things. But if you love yourself and you just allow people to be flawed, then I think it's only going to serve you better. Mm. Yeah, really wise. Okay, speaking of wise, I feel like your answer to this will also be wise. What are your thoughts on social media and your relationship to it? Yeah, um, I, I, it's a definitely hard thing because for me, and it seems like also for what you're doing, it's like it, it is part of your job, you know, because if you're trying to write a book or you're trying to have a podcast, part of getting that out there is to have social media in your life and to have people see you on there and to hear about the stuff you're doing but it's also extremely unhealthy to care about it and to focus too much energy on it. So it's a very much a balancing act of, you know, for me, writing jokes on Twitter that I think are funny, but then also not refreshing every 10 seconds to see how many people liked it. Like, there's a balancing act of putting out stuff that I'm proud of, but then also not being affected by the results. And it's something that I struggle with, uh, but that is something that I think is important is to just, if you just do stuff that you're proud of and create work that you like, then the success and the, the fans and whatever will come. You just can't obsess about the small details. Yes. Yeah. Well said. There's like a great David Bowie quote about that, that I shouldn't even try to be quoting again because I don't really remember it. But basically he says just <laughs> that about like, you know, when he stopped trying to make work for other people and just made work for himself, that's when people responded to it. Right, 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 right. I believe that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Um, quickly, favorite board game or a couple of board games or just games in general that you played on your birthday or um, want to recommend? Okay. Number one board game for anyone who just maybe says, oh, I don't really like board games, or oh, I don't really know if I like spending time with people in that way. I have two suggestions, mm -hmm. and they're different from each other. One is called Wink. These are both party games. These are both more party games. Is that like the killer game? Uh, no, that's like Resistance, which I do play, which is great. But oh. Wink is very fun. You would love it. So you, you have a group of people. It's mm -hmm. played with like five to, ten pe five to eight people, or four to eight people. And everyone has a hand of cards, and then on the table are matching cards of, a, of all the same numbers, 1 through 36, and you put your pawn on a card that's not in your hand on the table. Like, if you have 33 in your hand, you would not put the pawn on 33, you would put it on, like, 5, because you don't have that one in your hand. Okay. And then someone else has that number 5 in their hand, and then before it's your next turn they have to wink at you to let you know that they have that card without anyone else noticing. 
Whoa. So it's really fun because everyone's making eye contact with each other, which is not something you encounter yeah, in most social yeah. settings. Like a table of six people all making direct eye contact with each other for like an hour. I mean, the games only take like 15 minutes, but if you play a few rounds. Right. And it's just really interesting. And then if, if you catch someone winking at someone else, you accuse them of winking. And if, you, if, they are, if you're right, and if they say, yes, I did wink at him, then you get the points. But so yeah, you get points for catching someone. So it's kind of like Mafia in that way, or that game, that yeah, killer game. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like but then more it's like, complicated. It's quick, yeah. It's like, it, well, no, it's actually pretty simple. But then if it's if it's your turn next time, and then you say, okay, John winked at me, and he did wink at you, then you each get a point. So it's just you're subtly oh, communicating cool. these things of who winked at who, and you, everyone's looking at each other in the eyes, and it's very, very fun. Uh, okay, is, I want to play that at my next party. I want to play that at my it. birthday. It's on it. It's on Amazon. It's like ten dollars. Everyone should buy it. Oh, cool! So it's an actual board game because I was it's an be actual like, you need game, to yeah. come and fly in and just like teach everyone. Oh, I thought you just had to yeah, like, yeah. use make make do. No, no, oh, it's a, it's a game. I mean, it's, it's it's like a small little box, and it's great. I, I highly recommend Wink. And then my next one is called Code Names, and it's basically Battleship, but with word association. So. You'll have a grid of words, and you have to get the people on your team to guess certain words, and you have to give them clues to for which words to guess. Like, so you might say, "animal three, meaning there are three words in the grid that you want them to guess that relate to the word "animal." And that may sound complicated, but it, it's it's just like word association and getting your team to guess certain words, and you're against the other team who's trying to get them to guess different words. Mm, that cool. is fun. And then thirdly, if you want to get into, like, deep board game, like, kind of more nerdier, like, logical, like, complicated stuff, there's a game called Tammany Hall, which I will not explain, but it's really good. Okay, cool. For those just, deep cuts out there. It's deep cut. It's set in, like, 18-something, 1800 New York, around the era of Boss Tweed, and you're trying to become the mayor by gaining the power of different immigrant groups, and that's all awesome. very fun. Very cool. Very I, I have some friends who like have a board game night and like go oh, cool. play lots of board games. So I'm Bring glad Wink. you. Yeah, I'm glad you gave that suggestion. Um, I just oh, do you ever make up games? Like, do you and Dre ever like make up little games that you like play with each other? Like, do you ever make up games? I mean, uh-huh. I know it was one of your lives, but that's funny. We have not made up games. I mean, we'll do like bits. We're very silly. We'll do, yeah, we'll do bits or we'll just like start sing- We sing a lot. Like we'll both make up songs about yeah. whatever's happening. We'll do a lot of singing and like silly little bits, but never like structured games. But that's maybe a good idea. Yeah, I highly suggest it. I feel like I'm always making up bits. I mean, making up games. Um, I also really enjoy being around you guys in an internet sort of a way. And I just feel like you're probably really fun to be around, you know, IRL as well. So Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, Okay, wait, I thought of... Oh, what about any, like, comedians um, that you really love right now or that inspire you or inspired you? I meant to ask that earlier. I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, my... Two of my closer friends in comedy are both comedians who I just think are so funny, and they're both working on really cool stuff. One of whom, his name is Brent Weinbach, and... He was in your show. Oh, yeah, he was in my pilot. Yeah, you're right, you're right. He's so funny, and he's just the most innovative and great performer to watch. And he has a special that's about to come out on CISO, which I know, I don't know if anyone subscribes to that, but maybe you can find it somehow. But 
his name is Brent Weinbach. He's very funny. He has videos online, and he's just a very, very talented performer. And then I have another friend named Moshe Kasher, who um, yeah. he's just someone I've known of for a long time in comedy, and he's good friends with Brent, and I've since become friends with him through Brent. And his, his comedy is just like, he's so smart, and he's so quick, and he's so fast, and, and his perspective on stuff is really interesting and, and, and thoughtful and also very funny. And he's just like one of the funniest people. And he has a new TV show coming out on Comedy Central called Problematic, which is kind of like analyzing like different things on like the internet or just like the way people interact with each other and like things like having genuine conversations about these issues. Like the pilot was like kind of about like trolling online and people oh. who like troll people or like just uh, so he'll just like have, have these interesting conversations about these topics of like that people always talk about, but you never see like a. I don't know, like a forum for it, you know? Right. Um, so that's, that's coming out on Comedy Central in April. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's great. He's got a, you know, a special out there called Live in Oakland, and he's just a very funny performer. Um, Do you remember who you saw in ninth grade in your hometown at that comedy festival? Yeah, actually. Um, Rob Cordry. Do you know him from The Daily Show? Oh, yeah. He, he was like the the first like it was like him and I, I he wow. was really funny and the, the thing he did was really interesting and yeah that was probably the first person I saw live. Wow, that's um, really cool. Oh, also just say Maria Bamford is very funny. She's around the LA scene. I'm sure people who oh, know yeah. comedy know her. She's, she's great. I just, she's great. Yeah, I wanted to throw a woman in there because I just like plugged three men and I want to be like, no, there's lots yeah. of funny women who are doing cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good, good, good move, good feminist move. Great. Um, great. Okay, now we're at the portion of the show. We're going to end this super soon so we can all go to the bathroom. Or the people know, listening have been, have been peeing throughout this. We talked about liquids for Lucky. the first five minutes, Lucky. and then now now we all have to pee. But, um, okay, quickly, this is the time where you just recommend things. So it's super simple. So I'll just guide you through it. We've got this. We're going to do this together. So just say, you know, something that you – really love and always have loved or something you've loved recently you can give a couple whatever you want to do so let's start with book um my number one book recommendation that i always give is the wind up bird chronicle mm. by haruki murakami it is very good it's uh like a magical realism book have you ever read like gabriel garcia marquez or anything yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of in that vein. It's like a bit magical realist, um, but I love that. it's he's a Japanese author, and it's just it's his books are really interesting, and they go down these really weird rabbit holes, and it's like very mysterious, and things aren't really explained, and it's I've read like all his books at this point, but the Wind Up Bird Chronicle is the best, and was my first entry into his mind. Oh, cool. Okay, I'm yeah. I, I'm such a curious person. I have to ask so because it just made me think of it. And you mentioned you spent time in Japan. What were you doing mm -hmm. in Japan? I was just traveling. It was after college. I just went there for like five or six weeks. Oh, nice. Cool. Uh, I just went all over and I like bought a rail pass and went like all the way north and all the way south. And I, like I had a friend meet me for part of it. And then most of it I was alone. And it was like really fun and just a very interesting place. I went to all these like hot springs i would be in like the middle of nowhere in the woods and like these little hot springs resorts just like oh, it was really cool. nice it was i went to one that had like this milky water like the, the water was like kind of like white and milky and it, it like it was really cool there was like snow outside it was just i've had i had some very good experiences i do want to go back there soon yeah i really want to go to japan too that yeah sounds great yeah. 
all of it except yeah. picking up a tiny bit at adding to your mercury. Other yeah, than that, yeah, yeah. sounds really nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, what about movie? Um, oh, a movie that came out last year that I've I've recommended is called Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, um, I haven't heard of it's, it. Yeah, it's a New Zealand film. Uh, it's really heartwarming, but very funny and charming. It's like about it's like about a, a kid who's kind of like a punk kid in the city who's like an orphan and lives with different families, and he's immediately you don't even see him in the city, but he's taken to a very small cottage in the middle of nowhere to live with these new foster parents who live like you know in the bush in like just mm-hmm. like the true rural country and just their relationship with him and it's it's very very fun oh cool it's yeah. very silly like there's like there's like an adventure that happens and it's it's very very good movie oh i love that it kind of like vaguely reminds me of captain fantastic did you see that movie last year i didn't see it i didn't yeah anyway it was good um okay what about oh, cool. song music anything I, I've been listening to um, Julia Halter recently. Oh, cool. Um, I don't know her. Yeah, she's she's very... Uh, her voice is very good. I'm and, excited. Yeah. There's an album that's called... Uh, what's it called? Like, Let's see. It's called Have You in My Wilderness. Oh, Hunt for cool. the Wilder People, Have You in My Wilderness. Yeah, you, you got it. a theme here. A theme I get it. I get it. One of your lives is in the wilderness. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. there's a theme here. Interesting. Yeah, I'm going to give her a Spotify, like, right after this, or right after the bathroom after Oh, this. yeah, check it out. Check it out. It's good. Yeah, maybe in the bathroom. Okay, what it's about... Very mel- it's very melodic and very peaceful. And, oh, yeah. that sounds great for the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Um, okay, what about podcasts? You mentioned you also are a podcast listener. What What do you listen to? Yeah, um... I listen to like Radio Lab and This American Life, of Classics. course, and then um, Crime Town. Have you heard that no. new podcast? Mm-mm. It's Dre and I have been getting into it. It's very good. It's like just talking about the mafia in Providence, Rhode Island, like in like the seventies and eighties, wow. and it's just like this. It's really interesting, and they have interviews with all these ex mafia guys, and they like just talk candidly about all these crimes they committed, like people they killed. It's like really insane. Wow. It's like, really, like I guess it's like a big mob town. And like, it's like about this mayor who like went there to clean up the town, but then got really heavily involved in the mafia. And it's just really, really interesting. It's very weird. It's called mm. Crime Town. Nice. I'm excited yeah. to check it out. Okay. Yeah. What about a quote or an idea that, that you really love that you've, repeat a lot or share like a sentiment anything hmm i i hate to go back but the thing that i always say is that whole focus on process and not outcome yeah and because it's something that i personally still struggle with and i say it a lot i think it can be said again um just do your best to do the work that you can do focus on the process and not the outcome and the outcome will come when it's ready Nice. Oh, I love that. That's a good thing to end with. So as you know, the name of this podcast is Let It Out. So when I offer that term to you to let it out, what does that make you think of? What does that mean to you? And is there anything that I didn't, you know, did I ring you dry here? Is there anything else you wanted to let out on this podcast that you didn't? Um, I don't think there's anything. I will just say uh, that this was very great. 
and I was in a very bad mood before we started. Really? Uh, yeah, I'm, I've been just had a very frustrating day, and this has been very good and mm. nice. And I think letting it out is also just like letting out the negativity of what I was feeling before and just embracing a new experience in a fun and positive way. Mm. Well, thank you. I would have never known that that you were in a yeah. um in a funk, but I hope that this didn't add to it and it helped. No, this helped. No, good. this helped. It's all good. I just just I will say the entertainment industry is very frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just small things where it's like it's so hard to just constantly have disappointment and to be like not able to understand why and to not understand like just there's so many things that are outside of your control and you you'll hear no on something that just doesn't make sense to you and yeah, yeah. so that it's just been a lot of stuff like that where I'm just like what is happening but it's all fine and I'm thinking positively and I'm focusing on the process yeah so, good well this was kind of nice then that you got to kind of give advice to other people and me and, and myself yourself and also myself yeah. yeah killing a bunch of birds with one stone yeah one yes. microphone what one who knows we have to go to the bathroom too bad to be able to think clearly at this point but this is so fun though Thank so, you so fun much i had so much hanging so much fun yeah. hanging out with you this was lovely and friends forever <laughs> yeah i'm sad you're moving to new york not los angeles i know i i want to move to new york i mean i I want to move to Los Angeles. That's that's my end goal, but the one day, one day. job opportunities there. But yeah, until then, I'll I'll visit and we can yeah. hang out. And I'll I'm sure you out. guys will like something will take you to New York at some point, and we can. Yeah, hang out I, I go do. there like twice a year, so yeah, we'll yeah. All, we'll all hang out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I go there I to think, do shows. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That'll be amazing, and we can. I'm excited for the day I finally get to meet you guys in person. Yeah. Great. Cool. All right. Well, tell Dre hi. Tell Crouton hi. The entire family. I will. And I'll, oh, I will s- just, I'll just plug something really quickly oh, just in yes, case. Oh, yes, please. Just in case people live in Los Angeles, I run two shows at the UCB Theater. Um, one is called Good Looks. It's just a stand-up show. It's every first and third Wednesday. It's always very fun. We have great lineups. Like, every comedian has done it. It's always sold out. So come check that out. And then I'm starting a new show every first and third Sunday at the UCB Sunset Theater. That's called Drama Club, where we watch old dramatic TV pilots and riff over them and maybe have interviews with people who are in them. Oh, so we're going to do like Be- so Beverly fun. Hills. Yeah, we're going to do like Beverly Hills 90210 and like, you know, Melrose Place and like Quantum Leap and all these old fun pilots. So come to that too. Oh my gosh, and, I can't even handle how much I want to come to that. Oh yeah, well, I'd love to, yeah, next time you're in town. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be friends and also stand yeah, up and go to the bathroom. Great, me too, and um, thanks for having me. All right, you guys, that was my conversation with Andrew Michon. Isn't he great? I just, I love him. I think he's fantastic. Okay, before I tell you the emoji for this episode, I just want to quickly touch on Care of Vitamins because we love Care of Vitamins. You get to take the cool quiz and then they send you your individualized vitamin packs. I posted about this on Instagram the other day and I got so many cool messages about it that you guys were trying it and loving it. So make sure you use the code Katie at checkout. That's 50% off. Five, oh, that's a lot of percents off, you know? Half of the percents are off if you use the code. So might as well use the code, try it out. And also shout out to CW Hemp. We love CW Hemp. It really helps with 
focus and with apparently my period cramps and I think you guys will like it too. Again, use the code let it out for that one and that's 10% off using the code let it out. All the links to this stuff is in the show notes so you know, you can just get it all there. Okay, before I tell you guys who's coming up on the show next week, which I actually know this week so I can tell you, the emoji for this episode to tweet at Andrew and to tweet at me to let us know that you are still listening to me rambling right now at the very, very end of this very, very long podcast, use the emoji, the avocado. We love the avocado. It was his favorite fruit or vegetable. Unclear what it is, but we love it. It's so smooth and creamy. And the emoji's pretty cute too. So tweet that at us, Instagram that at us. Just let us know. And also, I'm so sorry I was clicking my pen at the end of this episode. You know, we tried to edit it out, but we couldn't really. And I was just taking notes because he recommended a lot of great things. Okay. Um, if you really were bugged by that, you probably aren't still listening now. So that was probably counterproductive to say. But anyway, next week on the show, Sarah Britton. Do you guys know her? Do you love her? I'm sure you do. She's written two really cool cookbooks, plant-based cookbooks that are beautiful. She has the blog My New Roots. That might ring a bell. It was one of the first blogs that I ever followed, I think, when I was in college like seven years ago or something. She's amazing and I loved our conversation. I'm going to go listen to it now and uh, then you can listen to it next week. Okay, love you. Bye.